0: On this episode we discuss Sonic the Hedgehog. The movie that finally answers the question. So if you had to make a movie about Sonic the Hedgehog, like what would you do? Like what how would you do that? Where would I what would you even start to make a movie about Sonic the Hedgehog? This movie answers the question. <laughs>
1: everyone and welcome to the Flophouse. I'm
0: Dan McCoy.
2: Oh, hey there, Dan McCoy. It's me, Stuart Wellington.
0: Hey, guys. Elliot Kalin here from a little place I call heaven, a.k.a. <laughs> my house stuck inside all the time with a six-year-old and an almost two-year-old. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, everyone's cracking up. And uh, <laughs> also, <laughs> as a
1: guest this week, we have uh, Jamel Bowie. He is a a columnist for the New York Times. You may have seen him on television talking about
0: serious stuff, and now he's here to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog. I'll that, uh, (laughs) if if I could say very briefly, Jamel, before you start talking, I just want to say, uh, I've been an admirer of your writing for a very long time. I'm a subscriber to your newsletter, which if anyone is interested in in trenchant thoughts on politics and history and recipes and also photographs of old buildings, then this is the (laughs) newsletter for you. Uh, But... We, you know, you're someone who's, you're a piercing mind who has a lot to say about the issues of the day, so that's why we needed you to come on for our Sonic the Hedgehog episode.
3: I'm, I'm ready to bring uh, 10 years of writing experience and deep thought to the question of a blue animated hedgehog.
2: <laughs> Wait, he was animated? Oh boy, I mean, Stuart. You know, <laughs> don't, first, don't, don't First things first.
1: Don't there shatter are, the illusion. Wasn't real. <laughs> I think you have summed up the entire personality of Sonic as depicted
0: in this movie. He
1: is blue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, I believe I, I believe what you mean to say, Dan, to to extrapolate further from that statement is that he's blue. Dabu-dee-dabu-dai. Dabu-dee-dabu-dai. Dabu-dee-dabu-dai.
1: Oh, uh, disclaimer. If if Stuart seems like he's bringing a different energy to the podcast, yeah. it's because he's standing up.
2: Oh, yeah. It's also because my quarantine mustache is try- is threatening to strangle me at this point. <laughs> now, Dan, normally on this show, we watch a bad movie and talk about it. But would you say that this movie fits that category? I mean, it is the second highest grossing movie of 2020. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus. That is the year that the movie theaters all shut down. Yeah.
3: <laughs> because Sonic. Even still, even still, I... That sounds insane to me. Like, I, who who were the throngs of people who went out there who were screaming, give us Sonic, give us Sonic? Well, it,
0: it's strange because those same people were screaming, give us Sonic, but also screaming, don't give us Sonic with real human teeth and animal eyes. We don't want that.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Based on the internet, I am pretty sure everyone wanted a Sonic movie, although they wanted one where he was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Possibly by Tails? Who knows? I mean,
0: that would have been the mystery of the movie. Was it Tails or Knuckles that did the deed? But then also, of course, Tails would die, and Sonic <laughs> would, would grieve him, because that seems to be the other main fan art is Sonic mm-hmm. characters grieving each other.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: and also sometimes they're Christians. Yep. Yeah, sometimes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, that was in the movie. You just had to read between the lines. Now, uh, okay. I, uh, Jamel, do you have much of a history with Sonic the Hedgehog or the Sega Genesis gaming platform?
3: <laughs> I do. I <laughs> very, very formal question. Um, <laughs> I, so, my, when I was a kid, we weren't much of a Nintendo house. We were definitely a Sega house. So, my dad had bought a Sega Master System, um, and we I got a Sega Genesis, I guess I would have been, like, you know, second or third grade or something. So, we always had a Sega Genesis around uh, all the Sonic games. I've played, like, Sonic, Sonic 2, Sonic 3, and Sonic and & Knuckles a million times. Um, I watched the cartoon a bunch. There were two di- different Sonic cartoons back in the mid-90s. One was sort of like a fantasy cartoon, and the other was like Looney Tunes. But it was Jaleel White for both of them,
0: right, as the voice of Sonic? I think,
3: yeah, I think that's right.
0: There was a brief period in the 90s where if you ha- if your original role that you were famous for was not on anymore, you would become a Saturday morning cartoon star. So like Mark Hamill was the Joker, and Jaleel White was Sonic the Hedgehog, and Mr. Belvedere was doing the voice of, I think, Raphael? Of the Ninja Turtles, and really? yeah, and then we had uh, who else was there? Um, I, like John Wayne was doing the voice of mm-hmm. Denver, the last dinosaur, yep. and yep. Uh, let's see, John Wayne, John Wayne Gacy, of course, was doing other cartoon voices, <laughs> but <there's>...
2: <laughs>
0: anyway. <laughs> It's interesting you say that because I grew up in a Nintendo household, and so to me, yeah. Sonic always seemed weird and strange, and I like couldn't get it. And I was like, mm-hmm. the premise of A Fast Hedgehog makes no sense to me. It should be about an Italian plumber who jumps on turtles. <laughs> yeah, I, feel I, like, mean, I
3: feel like this is like the rough equivalent of like growing up in a Protestant household and like knowing Catholics existed. Like I, just don't, I just don't get it. I don't understand what it's all about. Oh, I mean man. I uh
1: I I yeah I grew up in a Nintendo household too although I stopped at the original NES system I don't think I ever even got a Super NES but I was like I I was much more a Nintendo guy but I was jealous of mostly Sonic when it came to Genesis I also you know enjoyed uh I, I enjoyed a little Strider a little
0: a yeah. Golden Axe
2: what about, uh, what about fucking Altered Beast, dude, where you get oh, super jacked? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Well,
0: that happens with Mario, too. When you eat a mushroom, suddenly you're like a monster, you know? You're so much bigger than you were before.
2: <laughs> I think that is an unfair comparison, although that kanuki <laughs> suit is kind of like an Altered Beast.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is becoming <laughs> a, a kind of merger of man and animal, a manimal, if you will, or marry animal. Uh, but yeah, it's the I, for some reason, when I was a kid, my cousins had Sega Genesis, and the only game they really had was Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> so that All was right. not as fun. That was a an ex- very
3: exploration based game. Yeah. Listen, N- Nintendo may have had Mario and Zelda and Final Fantasy, even, but could you play a game like Streets of Rage where you could get freshly cooked turkeys out of trash cans? You couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. what, what a fantasy! Oh, I, I just, <laughs> I just remembered that uh, I I won a
1: I won a prize in Electronic Gaming Monthly. What? Because I uh, I was supposed to name a Streets of Rage move, and uh, my move was the lead pipe cinch. When you hit someone with a lead pipe,
0: <laughs> and I believe I got a controller for that. Whoa! Wow. That you were vastly over rewarded for the amount of work <laughs> yeah. you put in for that one. That, that entire man.
3: sentence is like unintelligible to anyone like the than thirty two. I am the youngest person for whom that sentence made sense. <laughs> <laughs> That was the first time I was paid
0: for my writing, Elliot. Oh, that, that's pretty fair. You know, and that was when you yeah. knew I'm a. Of course, this is what I am. I'm a writer, and that's where your your novel, Lead Pipe Cinch, which is kind of like a Bukowski, Hunter S. Thompson type thing, came out of. Uh,
2: yeah, where you're so, always chasing that turkey leg.
0: <laughs> so, Dan, your family stopped with the original Sega. I the original Nintendo. I think oh, so. original Nintendo. I'm sorry. So, so your your dad was like eight bit. That's the only amount of bits that this household will hold. You mm-hmm. know, I'm. I may be misremembering. It's hard
1: to say. Like, it's all my my childhood is just a warm fuzz at this point.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, that was. I mean, that was a surprisingly uh, a steeped in tra- possible trauma response. So let's move on from that.
1: No,
0: no yeah, that I, my, my
1: my memory is just terrible. That's all. Oh. I'm like
2: I'm like thinking while I was watching this movie, I was thinking back to like. Playing the Sega Genesis in my parents' basement and like the smell of the carpet down there and the like weird sadness that the game gives me. And I'm like, was that, was I just sad or is the game sad? Like, is it sad for a little blue guy to get hurt and all his rings to shoot out of him? Like,
1: (laughs) I think that's just nostalgia sadness, Stuart. Like, I think that is you, despite the fact that childhood is a place filled with pain and misery you still uh desire to go back there in some corner of your heart.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Well, cool. Fun. I'll I'll try and do that.
0: Well, we um, yeah, I think I just, here's a way magic. Here's, here's a way. <laughs> I mean, perhaps if you could trick your childhood self into touching a magic skull at the same time you do mm-hmm. and your head your brain would go into your child self's body. Uh yeah. you just have to redo this every few years because as you grow up, you'd stop uh-huh. being a child.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. So, uh I think we should start this movie because it opens with a special logo that's right Uh instead of stars around that logo it's gold rings that's how you know it's made by true fans
0: that's because paramount was like "Mm, we've had this logo for just about a hundred years when should we change it when there's a hedgehog that needs some rings this will show the this will show the audience now elliot
1: are you under the misapprehension that the Paramount logo is now changed forever? <laughs> yeah, that's. That, I think
0: now every Paramount movie is gonna have rings instead of stars, and it's just like I hope okay. it was worth it for Sonic. You know, I hope it, it's like it's when you get a tattoo of someone's name and then you break up with them a couple weeks later, and you're like, oh boy, yeah, Okay, Dan, I can only Dan, I can only date people named Charice now.
1: <laughs>
2: Dan, 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 have you been to uh, the movie theater and seen
0: a new Paramount movie since Sonic? You know what? You got me, Stuart. So, we seem to be in a sort of Schrodinger's Paramount logo situation where until we see one of these movies, we have to assume the logo has both rings and stars. Uh, And I I guess only time will tell. Uh, Jamel, your thoughts?
3: The other thing is that... um... Uh, since Sonic was a big hit, Paramount now demand The producers there, executives, want a hedgehog in every single Paramount film. So oh. uh, when, they, when they eventually reboot the Dark Universe, there's going to be Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Knuckles would fit right in, because that dude I wouldn't, is pretty scary.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't complain <laughs> if it was a real hedgehog in every movie, because those things are cute.
2: Mm-hmm. Or if it was... Uh... Uh, you were saying how much you wanted Ron Jeremy to be playing the lead role in this movie. Oh,
1: God.
2: <laughs> I mean, can he's kind stop. of hedgehog-like,
1: I guess.
2: I don't <laughs> yeah, think. yeah,
1: sure. Can we can we stop, as as a culture, putting Ron Jeremy in ironic cameos in
0: comedies? <laughs> uh, Dan, how much is that really happening these days? <laughs> I mean, I there mean, was, I think there think was you definitely gotta, a high point in the 90s of, yeah, like, I think edgy put that, comedies. Put that message in a bottle and send it back through a time window, because I don't think it's happening too much anymore. All right.
2: <laughs> okay, so we we open uh we open Media Res. Sonic is running around <laughs> the streets of San Francisco running away yeah. from Dr. Wily and we have uh, our... Dr. Robotnik. Dr. Oh yeah. Wiley. Dr. Wily is from the yeah, Mega Man games, I believe. I knew I was going to fuck that up at some point. Yeah, it's Dr. Right, Ro- Doctor yeah, that's, Dr. that's Eggman guy, right? Dr. Eggman Robotnik. He's running yeah. now, I
1: wanna I wanna take a moment just to celebrate the fact that this is the first time that Stewart has said something that is opened in Media Res when it actually has opened in Media <laughs> that's Res. That's
0: true. <laughs> usually it, usually it's opened very much in, in pre-res, but now this is uh, so,
2: so So we have our like uh I bet you're wondering how we got here, freeze frame and we're about to do a flashback but while sonic is talking shit about dr robotnik we also learn that sonic is familiar with the american civil war
1: which is was kind of chilling for me at that point
2: <laughs> like this is a movie for children
1: now this is this will be a recurring theme uh, because i am baffled by like the degree to which sonic does or does not understand uh, Earth history and culture.
0: I mean, you you mean just because he doesn't seem to know that humans have names, but he does know about the Olive Garden franchise yeah. slogan, <laughs> stuff like that. Or yeah,
3: it was very strange to hear Sonic go on a long digression about the campaign at Vicksburg. I'm just going to throw that away. <laughs>
0: <Yeah. laughs> well, especially because he was so pro-Confederate. Which is a strange choice nowadays, right, right. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that, that he was like that Sonic was like all those brave men fighting for their ideals. You know, you don't have to agree with everything they said. I was like Sonic, this is intense. Yeah, like, and he was is, yeah. and
2: he was saying something about how his taped up sneakers is in solidarity with those poor soldiers who didn't have shoes. <laughs> oh, weird.
1: Especially
0: anyway, so there's two hours, picture. two two hours of, uh, of apologia for the lost cause, uh, and then we finally get to the end of the flashback, right? Yeah, so at no, the beginning of the flashback
2: yeah yeah so we go right into a flashback uh, we're on like a forest planet Sonic's a little kid uh, we get a little bit of exposition we're introduced to Sonic's mother uh, long claw who is some kind of uh, is not a sword but in fact a uh, <laughs> an owl and uh, and now this they, is a character yeah, I, I, who
0: I believe was invented for I believe this character was invented for the movie do you got? Uh, is he did she ever appear in any Sonic games or associated media?
3: As far as I know, no, I mean, that was the point at which I was like, I have no idea what's happening in this movie. Like, I feel like (laughs) I have a decent sense of Sonic lore in my head just from, like, being a kid. And I was like, I don't recognize any of this now, so (laughs) I don't know what's... Did
0: you ever read any of the Sonic comic books where, like, Knuckles became one with the universe and there was all this strange stuff that was going on?
3: I I did not. Okay, well,
0: much like the uh, much like the Archie Ninja Turtles comics, which spun off into their own uh, bizarre continuity, the uh, the Sonic ones did too. But uh, yeah, it's this was so Sonic. Right away, he's like, "I grew up on this planet, and I always had special powers." And it was like, "Wait, are you not going to explain whether you come from like a race of hedgehogs, like, or is that like you're not going to explain how you got powers at all?" He's just ha- he's just burst into existence, right, Dan? Yeah,
1: this is well, this is a. All right, look. I threw up my hands immediately during this movie, uh, because of this prologue because it is Wait, were
0: you eating your hands? And you threw them up.
1: (laughs) I threw them up in disgust because it is the (laughs) laziest like hero stuff that's just thrown away at the beginning of the movie. Like Sonic has powers but he thinks he's one of a kind, which that seems like a weird choice right off the bat. I would have assumed that like this alien hedgehog would just come from a race of fast alien hedgehogs and Mm -hmm. he like gets stranded on Earth. He has this mother protector figure, uh, owl. this owl, whoa, who whoa. like I, I I assume is not his biological mother, although I don't know what. <laughs> do not what, assume that, Dan. That's unfair. I do not know so. Sonic biology, uh, and he's being
3: you know well he's you being know
0: well sh- we know that Sonic we know that Sonic has no genitals, so it it stands to reason that his species does not have genitals either. So maybe. Maybe the owl is his biological mother, and it's a race where, it's like, if a, if like if a horse and a donkey mate and they have a mule, and the mule is sterile. If an owl and a crocodile mate, you end up with a Sonic, yeah. and the Sonic is incapable of procreating. That's just my sure. theory. I'm just throwing it out there, sure. guys. Sure. I'm publishing it in the New England Journal of Medicine. We'll see if it gets picked up. <laughs> okay, but Peter the point reviewed. is <laughs> got to be peer reviewed.
1: Sonic is being chased by these, like, sort of like. Uh like tiki styled maybe like native uh people with mm. with bows and arrows uh-huh. and you gotta look a little and... closer
0: dan those are echidnas
1: okay well anyway there's
0: because you, so you know one of them is knuckles
1: yeah so they're being chased though and and the owl is like hey use these magic rings to escape to another planet like planet uh-huh. where you'll be safe, like, and if you need to use them again, here's a bag full of magic rings. And she's like, no time to explain, basically, and, like, pushes him into, like, this this earth <laughs> port yeah, a, a and portal. And we yeah. were watching this. Audrey was like, I don't understand these movies why, like, if you know that this danger is coming, like, run a few, like, fire drills for it ahead of time and explain the things that need to be explained beforehand rather than being, like, mysterious and pushing... Sonic through a portal. And the
2: thing is, Dan, we don't actually know that Longclaw dies. Like, maybe Longclaw just needs some alone
0: time. Yeah, fair. <laughs> maybe Longclaw
2: a- isn't cut cut out to be a parent. You don't know.
0: Hey, look, someone could be a great parent and still need alone time. But this is, like, so much, like,
1: like uh, fantasy... Ch- sort of almost chosen one bullshit that's thrown away so quickly at the beginning of the movie and not really important to anything else that happens.
0: Okay, I'm going to make two points, Dan. One a support and one a rebuttal. First, rebuttal. As we see from the movie, Sonic has very little attention span skills, so it's very possible Longclaw tried to explain these things to him and he just did not listen. (laughs) That he was too busy making jokes about, like... About like professional football and Kenny Chesney and Heinz ketchup and whatever other American things happen to come into his head, or but two sure. also is in support of you. This is a very lazy movie, yes. <laughs> so, and, and the story is very uh, is very uh, paint by numbers. But Stuart, yeah. you were going to disagree. You said it, you said
2: I was it, just going to say that I was going to say that the movie, like its protagonist, has got to go fast. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I mean, I I, I I will say very paint by numbers. All these things are true. But I did deeply appreciate that this movie was ninety minutes or hundred minutes. It was, it was. I, I was when I when I when I rented it on iTunes. I was like, I hope to God I'm not going to be here for two hours, and I wasn't, and that's a blessing. <laughs> that's true. So you're saying you don't want the the two and a
0: half hour Snyder cut
3: of Sonic the Hedgehog? No, I didn't. <laughs> which, which again, weirdly, an hour of that is Sonic going on about the Army of Northern Virginia. <laughs>
0: yeah, very strange. Very strange. Yeah, Actually, you know, so- I- Sonic can't stay
2: on topic often but when it comes to that sort of thing he's on point. <laughs>
0: now I want to see uh I want to see now the Snyder cut of this where Sonic is fighting Dr. Robotnik and one of them says Longclaw and Dr. Robotnik is <laughs> like my mother was named Longclaw too. <laughs> I guess we're best buds now.
2: <laughs> uh okay so and and the basic thing is that we learn that Longclaw explains to Sonic that people are going to try and steal his power that his power uh that Sonic's power is magical. Um so we then of course cut to 10 years later. We're on Earth in Mon- in a small town of Green Hills, Montana, uh and we're introduced to Thomas, the donut-loving police officer, and Maddie, his supportive veterinarian wife.
0: Now Thomas's uh, last name is Wachowski, which I assumed was a little tip of the hat to the cre- to the filmmakers behind Speed Racer. What do you guys uh, think? Coincidence uh, or no? Oh, probably. <laughs> Now, Okay, now, uh, then, thanks. That, that was fair.
2: <laughs> now, now so- Sonic is living in the woods like a hermit near this small town. He has come up with nicknames for Thomas and Maddie. Thomas, of course, is the Donut Lord, because you know what shape a donut is? A ring. Exactly. That's movie making. <laughs> uh, now, now <laughs> Sonic lives in a hovel. Uh, he's lonely, uh, and... <laughs> Well, I don't know. Like he, you know, he's sad, but he has invented like uh, a rich history and backstory for all the people in this town. Once again, he doesn't really understand them, but he understands quite a bit about American history and pop culture.
0: <laughs> and and Bob, he, uh, he, uh, so you mentioned that this uh, this copy he calls Donut Lord is played by James Marsden, who is huh? once again criminally mm-hmm. underused. Uh, yeah. I find James Marsden to be like such a such a likable performer and he gets he doesn't he doesn't get to do too much in this movie other than be like Sonic stop or like hey come on yeah. Sonic cut it out. I
1: mean uh, in so yeah. much as this movie works at all I think it works because the performers are all very likable but they yet yeah, to a, to a man other than Jim Carrey they're given almost nothing to do like he does not have a character to play here he is just sort of pleasant.
2: Now the action really gets kickstarted when Thomas gets offered a uh, a beat cop job on the mean streets of San Francisco, and mm-hmm. Maddie, his wife, immediately starts using Zillow and talks about it <laughs> in one of the many <laughs> advertisements. Yeah. So they decide that they're going to move to San Francisco. Sonic plays baseball by himself, uh, which I feel like is an interesting commentary on quarantine. What do you guys think? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh... <I'm... laughs> Certainly, Sonic is very lonely. The thing that drives Sonic yeah. through this is his loneliness and his need to reach out. And he lives in a cave and he watches a lot of TV. So, yeah, I guess he's. This is very uh, prescient in its quarantining. Not since the lighthouse have I seen a movie that so captured what it felt like to be living in quarantine. You know.
2: Now. Uh, this, and the solo baseball scene, of course, makes Sonic sad, and his loneliness causes him to do a big blue electric explosion, which shorts out the power grid and draws the government's attention.
0: Now, shall we mention, now Sonic, up to this point, now he's been living for ten years in just watching other people and not, not having any friends. You would imagine he's like kind of a dour, quiet type, like real kind of bitter <laughs> and gruff. Doesn't say very much, right? Is that pretty accurate?
1: Uh, no, he is a uh, a jolly uh hedgehog. <laughs> he is <laughs> he's full of vim and vinegar. Uh he's played by uh the voice performance is Ben Schwartz. Uh and he does, you know, a fine job. I the, like there there are some funny bits that I assume are just Ben Schwartz improvising because everything else is the blandest nonsense.
0: Look, they throw so many he he's constantly doing like uh like um Shtick. Like, shtick, yeah. Japes and jabs and constant running gags and jokes. And it's like they, they uh this I I can imagine being an eight year old and watching this and being like, This is hilarious because it's because yeah. that's how I felt when I would watch like the Ninja Turtles and they'd be constantly making jokes. But watching as adult I
3: was like, Shut up, Sonic. Sonic <laughs> <laughs> Shut your mouth. Come on <laughs> I mean sort of on that point, this movie feels like a real throwback to kind of like nineties. 90s- uh, that kind of like late eighties, nineties, based off of some external video game property movie. Like it, it has some bizarre mythology with no connection to the actual game. Like it involves the character from the game going into a whole new world. Like it's, it, it feels like someone sat mm-hmm. down uh, with a script generator from from like nineteen ninety one and was like, "Can we plug this in and see what comes yeah, out?" And yeah. this is what would basically come out.
2: And there's like. And there's like a road trip element, which I feel like is also a very 90s property movie.
1: Well, I I, I put a review on Letterboxd, and I think the key line to what you're saying, Jamel, is like, I was like, okay, imagine a Sonic movie in your head. That's what this movie is. (laughs) Exactly. They didn't enhance it in any way. They didn't add any plot or characterization beyond what your vague idea of what a Sonic movie might be. And that's this film.
0: The only thing it's missing to be a movie that could have come out in 1990 is like an evil land developer who wants to get to Sonic's home world so he can build condos there, like that. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Or, or like someone who's gonna who's like, I'm gonna merchandise Sonic. C- come on, Sonic, Sonic dolls, Sonic games, Sonic yo-yos, and Sonic's like, no way, man, I'm one now, of a kind.
2: One of the interesting things about the whole like evil land developer trope is that I feel like it just gave like. You know, there's a lot of young people coming up uh, in the early, late 80s, early 90s who saw those movies, and I feel like it gave them the idea, because it's not like there's fewer evil land developers in the world now.
0: No, no, there's much more of them, and they are more powerful than ever before. So I guess what maybe we were looking at those movies wrong, and those were actually the heroes the whole time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do also think that this might be the point uh, to bring up that the screenwriters of this movie, there's two screenwriters. They appear to be a screenwriting team because they're IMDb pages are exactly the same with writing mm-hmm. credits. and uh, So either
0: a team or the same person getting two checks and they're like, oh, Jeremy? I'll go get him. And they leave the room <laughs> sure. and put on a mustache and they walk back in. <laughs> oh, fr- Frank? I'll go get him. And they go back out and take like the mustache Sonic off. Like Sonic playing yeah.
1: baseball. Exactly. But, but these uh, screenwriters uh, have... A long career in things like they wrote some Hot Wheels TV movies, and uh, they're the writers of National Lampoon's Dorm Days and Dorm Days Two. Uh, and this is no, wait, Dan, their... is Days spelled D A Z E? It is, in fact, spelled D A Z E. Uh, oh,
0: thank goodness! I was worried they left <laughs> some joke money on the table. <laughs>
1: and and this is their first uh, uh, big blockbuster movie. They got this huge uh, plum screenwriting job. From I I do not know what maybe they're good in the room uh, and I do not want to like intimate that people can't come up through uh, exploitation movies, which is basically what the National Lampoon movies are the equivalent to, uh, because you know a lot of great talented filmmakers came up through that. But it is strange that they seem to have jumped directly from nonsense movies to uh, the hugest blockbuster of this past year.
0: I would disagree. I think one, okay. like you're saying, you can't really judge a writer just by their past credits. Uh, no, no, but also, I know. Like, to jump from National Lampoon Dorm Days to the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is not the quantum leap in the, in career making that you seem to think quality, it is, Dan. Elliot.
1: <laughs> Elliot, you are misconstruing what I'm saying. I know, I'm I know not that, saying I know there's that it's a better that, movie. I would rather watch National Lampoon's Dorm Days than Sonic. Probably. No, I'm no, but no, saying what, no, I'm saying what that, you described
0: to me is like a pretty. ...common career progression. The, it's not like they were like Sonic the Hedgehog. We need only the top screener, screenwriters. Get me David Kep. Get me William that Goldman. That is <laughs> totally
1: yeah. wrong, Elliot. They put <laughs> millions, like hundreds... They like, put $100 million in this movie. They're not like, get me the writers of National
0: Lampoon Dorm will No, because well, I'll, I'll tell you how they did it. This is how they did it, Dan. Uh-huh. They had a couple different groups of screenwriters come in... ...and pitch their takes on the character. Then they made them come back and pitch it again... ...more fleshed out. And they narrowed it down... Yeah. And their agents got them this meeting, and then, or they knew one of the executives, and then eventually they wrote the script and the network. And the network, the studio said, mm, "Can you make it blander?" And then they rewrote it <laughs> yeah. to make it blander. And oh. then the studio said, mm, "Can you put Zillow in there?" And I so,
1: understand the pitching and development process. I'm you know, saying this is a surprising leap that they have made in their careers, and congratulations,
3: congratulations! After laboring in <laughs> schlock, the I understand bu- big budget schlock. <laughs> My my understanding is that this movie, or, like, a Sonic movie has been in development for a while. And this is, they're, like, there have been multiple groups of screenwriters who have taken a, a swing at oh, this. Wow. And so this is, this these guys are the ones who, I guess, cracked it. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah.
0: and we'll, unfortunately, we'll never get to see that Sonic movie that Richard LaGravigny's worked on 20 years ago, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I'm, I'm assuming what happened is... The John is...
0: Patrick Shanley <laughs> version. <laughs> yeah, <what> <laughs>
3: The one or, that the Coven brothers or George... doctored after a little bit, you know, and that Jerry <laughs> Fisher George did some punch-up work on, based on a George on Tracy Miller's West's take, play. which involved actually just like a human man painted blue.
0: <laughs> oh man, that would be amazing.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm assuming these screenwriters were rejected for their original script for Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but they were better suited for this.
0: (laughs) Well, the problem was they they went to the pitching session for Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and they were like, okay, spin us a tale. And they're like, okay, so this lady, right, she's on this fantasy world, and her mom's an owl, and she has the ability to burst into flame. And they're like, we don't, did you read, did you take a look at our lookbook about what the film is going to be like? Yeah, 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 we threw that away. Okay, well, and hurry this up because we got a meeting later for uh, that Schindler's List reboot. <laughs>
3: <laughs> reboot.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> yeah, they're hoping they just... to turn it into a whole a whole cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah, the SCU. <laughs> yeah, the SCU.
3: And there's,
0: oh man, it's just like, uh, it's a, they're trying to look. There's, there's some studio that bought up a bunch of the rights to a bunch of different adult dramas, so they're like, mm-hmm. finally, Schindler. Carlito from Carlito's Way, Don Corleone, and uh, let's say uh, let's say uh, uh, the sisters from A League of Their Own. They're finally in. They're finally in one movie together. So okay. So, Stuart, so now ha- so so now we finally have we finally
2: have a villain. The U.S. government has to bring in their perfect agent. That's right. Jim Carrey playing Eggman Robotnik. And he's kind of a loose cannon. They don't want to bring him in, but they have to because he always gets the job done. And he's like a super scientist guy. He's got a power glove on. He's got an army of uh, egg-shaped drones. Uh, he drives around in a bunch of trucks that are all covered uh, covered in plates.
1: Yeah. Uh, and this is one of the many like very hand wavy moments in the script where they're like okay we need to get to the next thing where like everyone in the government seems to know that this guy is crazy but they're like yeah but we need him anyway
0: and it's like <laughs> uh, okay sure when if anything it would have been better they, they could have had a real political moment here where they're talking to the president and it's clearly Trump but it's done from behind his head like George Steinbrenner on Seinfeld and he's just like Robotnik, and they're like, "No, he's a crazy person. Like, why would no, no, no? He tweeted at me. Robotnik, get him out there. <laughs> okay, you said so, Commander-in-Chief. But uh, instead, you're right, Dan. They're kind of like, let's get Robotnik. What? He's nuts. And they're like, mm, Yeah, but what? It's have you not seen <laughs> the original the, property?
1: <laughs> Everyone in the room is basically like, That's a terrible idea.
0: Let's do it. I mean, I, I'm glad that the movie it does do once it does a couple things. Right, which is one that cast Jim Carrey in this role, and there was something very, like, chicken soup for the soul comforting to me about seeing Jim Carrey do the kind of role that he did when I was a kid. uh, I totally agree. But they weren't like, get Dr. Robert Nicholas. Oh, he's so crazy. (laughs) He loves robots. They call him Robotnik behind his back. That they just are out and out like, his name's Robotnik. Let's just do this. Whatever. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs)
2: And he he so he shows up to Green Hills and he takes over the investigation. Of course, he has to supplant the local military leader, who is played by Neil McDonough, hired Mm -hmm. of course for his blue blue eyes,
1: (laughs) his his husky dog eyes. And by that I mean the dog husky, not that his eyes are fat and he has dog eyes,
0: big old fat dog eyes, just like the the biggest eyes from the (laughs) fattest dog. He was thrown away in
1: one scene, Stuart. I was like, "Okay, Neil McDonough is going to come back at some point." But it's like, no, he's just there to be like humiliated by funny Jim Carrey, and then he disappears. Yeah, he's like, he was in Street
2: Fighter, The Legend of Chun Li. For God's sakes, yeah, <laughs> <Show> <laughs>
1: give
3: him, him some, some respect.
2: respect. He
0: played Dum Dum Dugan. Come on, everybody.
3: Uh, he was so, a villain on an entire season of Arrow. Yeah, yeah. he
0: was, oh. he, and uh, justified. Which wait which 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 character did he play in Arrow? Was it was it Damian Dar? Yeah, yep, yep, yeah. Uh, and yep. and did he play the same character in Justified? Because I want Justified and Arrow to be in the same universe. <laughs> uh, he's not that different in Justified,
2: to be honest with you.
0: <laughs> okay, that sounds pretty good. Uh, and so they so Rock, Dr. Robotnik is on the case and. Mm. Where does Sonic go? Sonic knows he's going to be in trouble, so where does he go for help? So
2: so he runs back to his cave, he packs up all his stuff, uh, or most of his stuff, and he heads to the only house that he's familiar with. That's right, the house of Tom and Maddie. Uh, Tom is already preparing to go to San Francisco. Maddie has already gone ahead uh, to find them an apartment, I guess uh tom is so excited she's
0: staying with her sister who does not like tom despite the fact that he is by all accounts a very supportive and loving spouse he took three jobs to help her get through veterinary school but for some reason because the movie wants jokes her sister does not like him
1: yeah this is one of my least favorite stock characters in movie the sister that hates the lead uh husband character for no reason
3: that anyone can see yeah, I mean, if you wanted to make the movie just like a little bit edgy, she could hate him because he's a cop.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's I, I was kind of what I felt like they were hinting at, but it never it never came out.
3: But like this is this is a black lady in San Francisco. She hates him because he's a cop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she and she does she knows inevitably there's going to be a time when she's going to have some kind of interaction with him yeah. in her home city and their family, and it's going to be really bad for all of them. She so
2: she knows his mask is going to
3: slip at some point. <laughs> There should be a scene where she just whispers "a cab," <laughs> <laughs> and
0: uh, and he's wearing a t-shirt that says "San Francisco" on it because he just cannot wait. He's trying Which to become the city.
2: I kind of love, like, I love the <laughs> idea of this dorky ass dude who's like. I can't wait to move there. I'm going to buy the t-shirt in advance, like those guys who bought the Darth Maul shirt before seeing Phantom Menace.
0: Oh, so disappointed. What about the guys who bought the Watto shirt before Phantom Menace and they you were mean like,
2: "You and Griffin Newman?"
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we saw him and we were like, this character's going to be so great and not at all offensive. And then we saw him and I was like, "Well, I did pay for the shirt. I guess I'll wear it." <laughs> he is he is kind of like a uh, he is kind of like a a more realistic, anti-Semitic
3: gonzo. So (laughs) I guess that's okay. You're
0: you're
3: wearing the about around being like, look, I'm reclaiming Watto. I I guess it was a tip-off when the Watto t-shirt had gold coins on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was the fact that he had gold coins and on the back it said, more blood, please. It was like, this, (laughs) this, this shirt. Oh, wow. Hey, I didn't make the shirt, Dan. I'm not the one who put those shirts out.
2: Yeah, so what, you got the shirt, and you're like, well, I don't like the character that much. I guess it's going to be my gym shirt, and then you just didn't go to the gym.
0: It was a very good excuse not to go to the gym, because I was like, mm-hmm. I can't wear this shirt at the gym. This is crazy, but I don't have another gym shirt. Wait, I, I never realized this, guy. So Watto, clearly anti-Semitic. What about Gonzo? He's got a similar nose, similar coloring. He also is kind of an outsider. He just doesn't mm-hmm. fit yeah. in. And he has elaborate stunts that he always wants to pull off, which isn't a big Jewish stereotype. That Jews always want to get shot out of cannons <laughs> or ride unicycles across tightropes. And that Jews uh-huh. love chickens. I mean, we do. Mm-hmm. You know. I
1: mean, Well, I mean, based on the sample size in this group, Jews do love chickens. But uh, yeah. I... I, I I mean, Gonzo is one of the most lovable characters in the Muppetiverse. So yeah,
0: that's true. It's just him and Scooter, two tops. Oh god! Jesus <laughs> wow! Well, wow, They're both tops. Scooter. And what's the one from the Muppets, the first of the of the Disney movies? Kevin Walter. Wayne. What's his name? Walter. Walter.
1: <laughs> his name is Walter. He has no personality, and, he's and when you say Walter spotlight. is more
2: of a top or a bottom,
1: Dan. <laughs> Uh, weirdly, he's a Switch. Anyway, let's go on.
0: (laughs) He's a Nintendo Switch. All right, let's keep going. So, uh, so Sonic goes to, uh, James Marsden's house. That goes great, right?
2: Well, James Marsden surprises him before he can run away, and he shoots him in the leg with a tranquilizer dart. Uh, that he had to shoot a raccoon, presumably. Um, And then that, of course, leads Sonic to accidentally opening up a portal to San Francisco because he reads it on his shirt, and then he drops all of his rings in San Francisco, like you do, and he passes out.
0: A reference to Tony Bennett's classic song, I Left My Rings in San Francisco.
1: Now, Stuart is saying this as if it is a normal thing, so (laughs) I feel like I need to (laughs) clarify for the audience that... Yeah, like his magic rings, he needs to escape to another planet, have now gone through a portal to an entirely different city.
0: They're on the uh-huh. top of the Transamerica Pyramid. And also, as within real life, when you are hit with a tranquilizer dart, you must read whatever words are in front of you at that moment. <laughs> That's the only way your brain can regain purchase on reality. So, like, for instance, if you're, st- <laughs> so if you're standing at a pool and you get uh-huh. hit with a tranquilizer dart, you would say, uh... Lifeguard on duty, and then you'd and then you'd pass out. Or mm-hmm. if you were at uh like a baseball stadium, uh-huh. and you got shot with a tranquilizer dart, you'd be like uh-huh. oh, Budweiser, twelve dollars, and then you'd yeah. fall down. Like very just athletic choices coming
2: out of Elliot. You're
1: at like <laughs> you're at the Jersey Shore, and you're like uh oh, female body inspector. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, again, you're at the Jersey Shore when I was a kid in like 1986. <laughs> All I like right. the idea that Dan has he's like, like an
1: uh mesh mesh tank
0: top <laughs> that, that Dan is like an Encino man or blast from the past type or but he just or like a rip Van Winkle, but he was just in cryogenic freeze for like twenty years i'll tell you something
1: uh writing for a younger hipper uh talk show host has been great for me lately uh with all of my forty year old man <laughs> references. <laughs>
0: you're like you're like uh Trevor and then we'll have a quick joke to the scene in just one of the guys where and he's like I don't know what that is and you're like yeah. Trevor we all watched it on HBO when we were kids and he's like I didn't do any of that
3: it had nudity and played during the day <laughs> Trevor, I have I have a joke here about Zima and Crystal Pepsi. The kids will get that, right? That'll... oh, we the show
0: the show I'm working on right now. We have a Zima joke in one of the episodes, and I'm like, I love it, great. But there was a younger writer in the room who was like, "What Zima?" And I was like, "I'll tell you about it later." <laughs> There's a, the guy likes had words that start with Z. Anyway, yeah. it aired around the same time as those Richard Lewis Boku ads, and they were like, "What?" He had a hat. <laughs>
2: So Stuart. Uh, cool. So uh, <laughs> our team, uh, Sonic and uh, Sonic wakes up. He talks to Thomas. They immediately decide, okay, we got to get, uh, we got to save this guy. Robotnik's on his trail. Uh, Robotnik shows up to Thomas's house and uh, tricks his way into the home. Uh, they knock out Robotnik and go on the run together. Did I skip over anything?
0: No. All you, all you need to mention is Robotnik has an army of robot drones and uh-huh. also that he manages to get his hands on one of Sonic's quills. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah. What did you think it was? Like his, his, like, uh, his tail? or I thought uh, it was
2: like a, like a shard of his essence, like in the Dark Crystal.
1: Or it was like a crystal that he'd have to take down and uh, build the Fortress of Solitude with, maybe?
2: Mm-hmm. Or just yeah, like yeah. leave on his nightstand to heal the energy of the room.
0: Or, like, if yeah. Sonic is if Sonic is anything like my children, they'll just pick up broken pieces of plastic off the ground and carry it around all day, and then leave it in their room, and then I'll step on it, and I'll be like, what is this? Why is this in my house? <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, no, it's one of Sonic's power quills. Uh, Stuart, you did miss one thing, which is how uh, Robotnik's d- demand to go into Marsden's house was a violation of posse comitatus. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah no.
3: I,
2: I had that written down in my notes and i just skimmed right over it. that's my mistake
0: yes I mean, how many that's tr- how many amendments is he breaking at that point that's unreasonable search and seizure for sure well he, it's not great, it's not absolutely. like he went to a judge and he said i have reasonable su- su- suspicion that there is a that there's a magic hedgehog in this man's house i need a warrant to search the premises yeah
2: and i love i love their like subtle dance when they first meet each other because you're like either of you could address the fact that you are like you're either a police officer or working for the government. You don't have to hide that information. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, nope, uh, I, I got to tease this situation out.
0: Um, okay. I-, I love that Jim Carrey is like, I'm here to read the meter. And he's like wearing a long black trench coat. He has black leather gloves on his hands. It's like, what crazy world are you from where people dress like <laughs> Dracula to read the electricity meter? I'm like, come on.
2: Uh, cool. So they, uh, they're they on the run. Uh, they... Reluctantly decide to team up. At first, they have this moment where you're like, "Oh shit!" They're already breaking up with each other. But no, you know, they pretty quickly get over that. Uh, Sonic wait, runs into the wait, ocean wait. and runs back. What's up?
1: Yeah, I don't want to. I don't do not want to gloss over this moment because this is one of my actual major problems with this movie. Where uh-huh. like James Mars is like, "Hey, I saved your life. That's all I'm gonna do for you. Like, I don't want to go on the run with you or anything." And Sonic's like, oh, okay, Uh, all right. I guess I'll go to San Francisco on my own. Like, I guess I'll find it somehow. And like, and Chase Martin's like, just go west. You'll you'll hit it. And he like, Sonic zooms off, (coughs) comes back immediately with a fish on his head because he ran into the ocean. Mm -hmm. And he's like, see, I can't do it on my own. I'm like, fucking give him a map. Like, there's this this movie does not adequately explain like why they like go off together. And I feel like he could do it fairly <laughs> easily by like later on, like they blame James Marsden for like, uh, they say he's a domestic terrorist. Like there are reasons that they could give at this point that they're stuck together, but they do not. And I never feel like they truly bonded this movie, no matter I mean, how much I mean, work they put into it.
3: The easiest thing to have done given what's already in the script is for the tranquilizer, or the electric explosion to sap sonic speed. There you go. He can't run as fast anymore, so he needs to be driven. Problem solved. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Actually, that's pretty good. I, I will say uh, what I bumped against was that James Marsden is like, okay, there's a talking bipedal hedgehog that wears gloves <laughs> and sneakers, but no other clothes, and he's suddenly in my house, and he's blue, and he runs really fast. Okay. Just one of those days, I'm not helping you. Yeah. Like he, he accepts the existence of Sonic so quickly and there's not mm-hmm. even, the, and it's pretty cliche the moment of like, what are you? But they don't even do that. It's just like, dude, get out of my house. Take the fact that you are some kind of abomination of nature and get <laughs> away, that no human, and, you, and proof of life in other dimensions and other plants. You're the first, this is the first contact between a human and a sentient being that is not human get out of my life. I'm a busy man. I'm moving to San Francisco. Like it, it's such a, stra- <laughs> it's a strange choice to have him be so nonplussed by the existence of Sonic.
2: I'm sure yeah. there's an early version of the script where they're like, and here's the part in the script where Sonic loses his speed. <laughs> and the executives are like, uh, mm, Sonic's fast. And they're like, no, I know, but he'll, you know, he'll get it back. <laughs> they're like, mm, nope, that doesn't work for us. They're like, yeah. Okay. So can the villain be fast? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Well,
1: that works. And we'll get we'll get to it later, but there is like a like a quicksilver from X Men sequence in this movie that shows Sonic to like not only be fast, but basically a superhero himself. And it's like, why does he need James Marston? Because like- he doesn't know where San
0: Francisco is, Dan, and there's no way for him to learn that information otherwise. Okay. It's locked inside James Marston's head, like the map on the back of the
3: girl in Waterworld. There's only one okay. way to find out. <laughs> okay. That's a good point because it it sort of gets to, like, the fundamental problem with any property that involves someone that fast, which is that, like, they're no longer bound by the laws of physics. And so there are no problems anymore, right? Like, all things can be solved, right? Like, oh, 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 no, someone died. I'll just use speed to break (laughs) the time barrier and fix the problem. Oh, I don't well, know where San Francisco is. Well, I can tra- apparently traverse the entire Earth in a minute. So let me let me do that and figure it out. Yeah, I'll just do, do that. If he had simply
1: gone directly to San Francisco, like. There would have been no time for Robotnik to do any of the things he
0: does in this movie. No, but Dan, they had to stop off at a roadhouse to get into a bar brawl. I'm
2: sure in the goof section of this movie, somebody's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, if Sonic is fast enough, this movie shouldn't have lasted this long. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. uh, guys, I want to uh, rebut my own statement from earlier. I just realized this movie is better off if James Marsden just accepts Sonic, because it, yeah. it spares us from a scene where he's like, get out of that costume. And he's grabbing him all over and he goes, here's the zipper. And oh, Sonic yeah. goes, that's not a zipper. And then he like pulls <laughs> his hand back because there's a worse version of this movie that has that scene in it. I guarantee you. Yeah. So so I, I'm glad that didn't happen. Oh, actually, uh, Stuart, I have, an, I have another goof for you to put in the IMDb entry. OK, let me just type that up. OK. OK, in real life. Uh-huh. Hedgehogs are not fast. Real life hedgehogs are not fast. <laughs> or actually okay. put that under factual error. Okay. Yeah. So so our
2: heroes are on the run. Of course, they stop at a roadhouse uh, that has some very energetic uh, bikers and hot wheelers out front. Uh, they talk about how Sonic needs to work on his bucket list, introducing children to the concept of dying
1: one day. <laughs> Well, and this is one of the things that Sonic doesn't know. Would you put that in the column of Sonic does not know this, (laughs) as opposed to all the other things that he seems to be intimately familiar with?
0: Well, he's seen. We know he's seen the movie Speed because we see him watching it, and we know that he's familiar with the Olive Garden, but he hasn't seen the Bucket List. And you know what? He's not the target demographic. Like the Bucket List, the movie was for like older people—the same people who really love like Grace and Frankie, or uh, what's that movie that we watched where? the old people go to Las Vegas and it's Kevin Klein and Robert De Niro. Last Vegas.
1: Last Vegas.
0: Was that what it was called? Last Vegas? It was called Last Vegas. Because the implication was that they were all going to die afterwards. Uh, So, so like, he's not going to go see the bucket list. He's going to be like, that's an old man movie. I want to watch Speed or Speed 2 Cruise Control.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So uh, this is where, of course, they get into a big, uh, you know, they have a little montage of Sonic uh, crossing things off his list in this, uh, you know,
1: pretty populous roadhouse and then <laughs> it is, they, of it is course, a
2: packed roadhouse I mean it's a big a roadhouse there.
1: that also has like basketball games like you would find at like Coney Island or or yeah. any or like a or a Chuck E. Cheese um and you know, like this is this is a confusing roadhouse to me in terms of the entertainment there versus the crowd. That well, it's it, a, it is to... very
0: much a children's v- movie version of a roadhouse where it's yeah. like it's supposed to seem super tough and super crazy, but like you can't show it's not the it can't be from dusk till dawn. You can't yeah. have like a strip show going on or like it's not, the, yeah. it's not the
2: double deuce or anything. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So it's just like, uh oh, this roadhouse is pretty crazy well let's just play this basketball game and get enough tickets so that we can get a big novelty comb and then we'll leave
2: so of course this is where they get in a bar fight and this is where we have that moment where sonic moves so fast he's able to stop time and we get that full-on quicksilver moment that dan was talking about i mean we knew this was coming right guys yeah it that ce- that scene was the breakout star of that x-men movie it has oh, to yeah. be
1: replicated i mean and the scene here is fun enough some gags are set up but it is it did immediately raise the question to me of like okay well sonic is like much faster than i thought he was like, he, <laughs> can he stop can, time he, fast
0: he can walk between seconds yeah i think yes. that's also so here's the thing if you were moving super fast could you push like bullets and missiles out of the way like quicksilver and sonic do because it, uh, or would you like go to touch it and it would go right through your finger because it's still moving really fast does your speed really mm-hmm. cancel out the the speed of the projectile
3: right if, if, if your velocity is as such that you can do that then at, at which point you are generating enough force to be able just to like move it because it's because
0: yeah, that... my also at wonder is like if you slam your hand onto a knife the knife will go through your hand like are you moving so fast that your velocity is adding to the velocity of the bullet or the missile and it is that much? More. Of an, I mean, he of does impact.
1: Now, this this probably has nothing to do with it, like in terms of real life physics. But I will say, he is, you know, he like in these movies, like they do push the bullet away from the side. Rather, they do not put their hand in
0: the of You're right. That's probably boat. it because you know, that's a force that only moves in one direction, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah, do you, I mean, uh, should I, so I have the, I already have the document open. Should I add this to the
0: goofs column, guys? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I guess as, as, make it, call it incorrectly regarded as goofs. <laughs> okay. I mean, and it is, it is, I feel like this is the stupid thing in movie viewers' brains where I'm like, magic rings, they create portals. You got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> speedy blue hedgehog yes Mm, could he really do that with his super speed like it's the dumbest thing for me to fixate on
3: (laughs) The um, one one thing we we shouldn't neglect to mention about this whole sequence is that thus far the only human who has met Sonic is uh, James Marsden's character they go into this bar and Sonic is just hanging out and people look at him and have no reaction to the fact that he is a talking blue space hedgehog It is it is it is so normal to them that it suggests what it actually suggests about the world is that there are lots of sonic like creatures in the world and that this Mm -hmm. Montana town just happens to have never (laughs) gotten one before.
0: Well, it's, like, uh, it's yeah. like Citrusville, Florida, home of the Man-Thing, which happens to be the nexus of all realities. So there's always like Howard the Ducks and Barbarians walking through. So I guess this little part of Montana, yeah, they're just used to trans-dimensional visitors. But it does it is very strange that Sonic's like, no one can ever see me. And then all he has to do is put on a hat and a jacket. And people are like, sup, little dude, can I get you a drink? It's like, <laughs> I wonder if at any point he's like, all I needed was a hat. Why didn't I just put a hat on all this time? Yeah. Especially since you know he's a fan of Sunday in the Park with George and, of course, its iconic song, Finishing the Hat. So he's familiar with the concept of hats because we see him later singing that song, right? Or did I dream that?
1: (laughs) You may have dreamed it. Since we've opened this door, I do want to read three actual goofs from the IMDb page. Okay. Um, When Sonic and Robotnik arrive in Egypt near the Giza pyramids, there's nothing but desert visible in all directions. The pyramids of the sphinx are actually surrounded by roads, numerous other monuments and city on three sides. There's a Pizza Hut less than 1000 feet from the sphinx itself. Oh, that's so interesting. That's an interesting. I goof. wonder
2: if but I wonder if that I mean, that raised the question of: Did that ring take them to a different time period? Sure.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, and, and that's that... why there was a, that's why the pharaoh did a double take looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a hieroglyphic in the pyramid of a sonic type figure running from a, ma- a man with a mustache. I there's, do. There's an,
3: there's an Israelite slave pushing up a block, and he looks <laughs> up, and it's just sort of like weird. And keeps on. <laughs>
0: he goes, he now, goes, let my people go. And he just walks
1: away. I may laugh at this goof, but I did learn something from it. So that's useful. Um, uh, yeah, you now, learned
0: where to, get, where to get pizza if you're ever in Cairo or Giza, I guess. Uh,
1: now, this is a minor goof, but in the end credit music listing for Queen's Don't Stop Me Now, Freddie, that's with an IE, Mercury's first name, is misspelled as Freddie with a Y. Okay, so that's a fair. minor goof. But, that's a fair uh, goof. That's a fair goof. Here's one: even if Sonic's electromagnetic pulse didn't knock out cell phones themselves, it would affect the cell towers, making them useless. Tom calling Wade during the blackout would not have happened either oh, way.
0: That was a question I had: was that there's a there's a blackout, everything's out, yet the phone at the police station works fine. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. wondered if do, well, do those a, phones, do those phones still work during blackouts? It's a regular that's landline. That's a landline. Phone. A landline
1: would, in fact, uh, you're not old enough to know this, Elliot, but a landline would still be well. working. Uh, No,
0: it's just that I've forgotten it, Dan. I like I'm I'm almost forty years old. I know I've lived through landline phones. And I've lived through blackouts. The thing that was great about a landline, Elliot, is that it had this long
2: it had this long cord and you could like spin it while you talked.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now
1: now you don't see this, but uh, but Stuart was sort of spinning it like say a burlesque dancer would be spinning a feather (laughs) boa.
0: Yeah. Now yeah, now I'm I'm of course too young to remember this. But uh, at the time, they had real hoverboards that they were going to sell in stores, but parents said (laughs) it was too dangerous. And so they were removed from the market.
1: Now, we did get those shoes from that movie, but they didn't automatically lace up like they were supposed to.
0: No, no, no. Instead, they just laced the normal way by you yelling at your mom to do it for you. Okay. Well, anyway,
1: let's get back to this movie before Stuart explodes.
2: Promises undelivered. So, uh, okay. (laughs) So, uh, so. We we get introduced that there's one last element on Sonic's bucket list, and then of course he can die, which is he wants to make a real friend. Uh, and at this point, I think at this point we can address Sonic can die for real, right? Because he doesn't have any rings in his body.
0: So um... <laughs> now he never now now that's video game lore. He never ingests the rings. I think it's just it's just assumed that he'll die if he gets blown up or shot or poisoned yeah. or autoerotic asphyxiation or or any of these things, yep, or any of those things, the, the same ways normal people die.
2: So, so they get in yet another fight. This time, they get in a fight about uh, Tom wanting to move to San Francisco uh, because, of course, Sonic believes that small towns are better than big towns, and why would he ever want to leave Green Hills? Uh, well, this, this is
1: another thing that, like, sorry, I, I do want to adjust this quickly. Sonic is like obsessed with how nice this town is that uh, that James Marston's character wants to get out of, and like Sonic. As we have established, I don't know if you know this, guys,
0: he's fast.
1: He could see <laughs> the rest of the world. Apparently, he has had no curiosity about planet Earth beyond Green Hills.
0: I mean, in, de- in his defense, the last thing his adopted, possibly biological owl mother said to him was, hide yourself. Don't let anyone see you. So he has yeah. been living in seclusion on purpose uh now can he move faster than the human eye can see of course he can so yeah but uh, then he's gonna get what a split second view of brussels before he's got to spin around and turn back because he's got to stay moving fast enough that no one can see him is he going to see tokyo for one day what is he I my mean, brother i, I Come don't on. understand <laughs> why you think
1: that green hills is the only place where he can be stealthy and hide though like he see the world sonic
0: you know maybe you don't want to stay down on the farm It is one of many movies that takes it for granted that, you know what, it is wrong to leave your hometown to go to the big city, which is the exact opposite of the lesson that life gives you.
2: Oh! So while they're in this fight, Dr. Robotnik's car drone catches up with them, and Sonic just blows the shit out of it, right? He does that, like, roll yeah. thing, and lightning flies everywhere. And then we have a increasing uh, or decreasing in size series of robots that keep chasing them. This was um, a really
0: funny concept, I thought, that it keeps—every time they blow it up, a smaller thing comes out and goes after them. Also, I should notice—I should mention, as soon as I, I said cities were better than small towns, as if, as if God wanted to uh, get back at me— one of you guys had a police siren go off in the in the <laughs> background, so it's like, all right, I get it. Okay, thanks for thanks for getting back at me, reality. But yeah, I like the idea that like each time they blow up a thing, there's a smaller thing that comes out after them. There's mm-hmm. something kind of Looney Tunesy about it. Sonic
2: does some flossing, so you know that kids are into it. Dan was into it. Dan loves TikTok. Um, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Wait, explain to me what you're talking about, because I don't re- I don't remember that. At uh, first, I thought you meant he actually flossed with something, and I was like... No, he does the little
2: on. dance. Yeah, Dan, oh. show us oh, the dance. Oh, that dance.
0: Dan. I didn't know that that was called flossing. Okay. Yeah, that's the dance. Yeah, <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, I see it, it Dan. Still <laughs> doing <For> people, it. <laughs>
0: for people who can't
1: see me, I'm doing it 100% perfectly. I like that. Uh, it's Dan not herky-jerky at all. It's like, I'm not... Really thinking about it while I'm doing it.
0: (laughs) Dan said people who can't see me, which means all six billion people in the world except for three other people.
1: Yeah. The audience of this stupid thing. So that's called flossing? Yeah, Yeah, that's called flossing. So
2: Sonic then manages to get uh, the the final drone, turns into a little bomb, and Sonic manages to get hurt in the explosion and knocked out. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, And then Sonic is whisked away to San Francisco, where Tom takes him to be healed by his veterinarian wife, who, as I mentioned before, is staying with her sister in San Francisco. She is obviously nonplussed about a blue alien monster that just appeared in her home uh, or her sister's home. Her sister is not very happy because, of course, Tom is there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Her sister's Mm -hmm. daughter has tied her up to a chair. Uh, which, you know, is just a running goof. Like, it's, you know, mm-hmm. that's the kind of jokes we get in this movie. I mean,
0: later on, she's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And then hours later, she's still tied up. And it's like, that's torture. They're torturing this woman. Like, that yeah. is the I mean, definition of torture. Like, come on. Also, also the sister
1: may unreasonably like Tom, just in general. But Dislike Tom. to be fair, at this you can't, point, You can't he unreasonably
0: is, like James Marsden. He's giving you so many reasons to like him. There's nothing unreasonable yeah. about that.
1: But, at this point,
0: he is... A wanted man
1: uh, who is on the news for uh, domestic terrorism carrying an, an alien into her home. So she has more reason at this point to be disturbed by his presence. Yeah.
2: Uh, so they make a plan to go to the pyramid building and get the rings. So Tom and Maddie go along with Sonic. (laughs) I wrote this sentence before, uh, before the end happened here, but I wrote, they find the rings, become best friends and get interrupted by Robotnik which I wrote moments before Robotnik actually showed up.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew uh, it was going to happen. Now, uh, before this point, also, Robotnik, uh, he did an experiment on Sonic's quill, and it was so powerful, he overloaded his entire mobile lab. Uh, and so he, uh, he knows he can power all of his machines with Sonic's energy if he can capture him.
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, i've I've been kind of I've been kind of glossing over the Robotnik elements of this movie, but Jim Carrey gives it his all. I mean, I feel like he gives such a big performance that I feel like Sonic and Robotnik the whole time. I'm just like, get these two annoying people together, so I don't have to deal with them anymore.
1: <laughs> uh, see, but like, I, I I like Jim Carrey's performance in this. I I agree with what Elliot said before. Like, I found it very like comforting to see Jim Carrey giving a Jim Carrey performance again because like Jim Carrey is like. Like, he has proven in a few movies that he's, you know, a, a quite a good dramatic actor. But then he got kind of sidetracked into doing bad dramas. Like, unlike, say, Eternal Sunshine, where he started out, like, kind of in that zone, doing good, good stuff. He's been in bad dramas and children's movies exclusively. And this is a children's movie, but it's more of, like, I think like, a crossover children's movie where it's not just, like, I don't know, Mr. Popper's Penguins or something, where, like, it's fun to see him do a big, silly performance again. And he's it, committing.
0: I think the fact that Mr... That, I was about to say Mr. Robotnik. I forgot about his PhD. That <laughs> Please, doc- that's his father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Robotnik is my father. Call me Dr. Robotnik. That's a joke they should have had in the movie. Uh, that Dr. Robotnik is never presented as a scary or in any way realistic character he is just Mm -hmm. an over-the-top cartoon villain and jim carrey is the perfect person to do that and that there's never and also and like jim carrey seems to be the one person in the movie who i don't remember them making any like pop culture references that kids wouldn't get like his jokes are all so much of it is just him either insulting people or like saying things in a funny way there's that there's a part where his Mm -hmm. assistant who's mean to says something about like i brought you this latte with austrian goat milk i thought you might like it and he goes of, am I an idiot? Of course, I want one. I love the way you make it. And he just shouts it as loud as possible <laughs> and I was like that's a kind, that's a dumb joke. like the joke is just that of course he loves it, but like the way he delivers it is so huge that I laughed at it and it's just like it's real it's it was very fun to me to see him like just doing that kind of character and like yeah he is he's really good at like certain types of movements that you know uh like real like what do you clown would you say movements. he's a physical comedian Elliot? <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's certainly a comedian who uses his body as an instrument more than, say, Stephen Wright, a comedian I mean, who, who <laughs> could do be doing the same act if he was a brain in a jar. But <laughs> he was doing he was doing some dancing around Elliot in the
1: scene that you were just now referencing, where he discovers the uh, energy powers of of Sonic. That I was like, you know, Jim Carrey's not a young man at this point, and I was amazed at some of the physical stuff he was doing in this, that scene.
0: I think well he's you know he's in good shape he, he's the yeah. JLo Lo of of male perf- comedy performers and that at his age his body is impeccable but uh the like but I think it's like there's that scene in Bloodshot that we watched recently where the bad guy is like dancing to Psycho Killer and the mm-hmm. whole point of it is this is like a cliche thing and when Jim Carrey does it, it is cliche for the villain to have like a little dance but Jim Carrey is so good at moving himself that I was like oh I could watch this for a while so it was just I, I liked those I liked seeing him on if it was called the Doctor Robotnik movie I would have been like. Yeah. All right, maybe I'll like this movie, but then instead, <laughs> Sonic's got to come in and, and and spout out like forty like quick jabs constantly, and it's too much.
3: I'll, I'll just say that uh, Jim Carrey is great in this, but the fact that he was cast as Doctor Robotnik is again the, like a very '90s element of this movie. Like that oh, casting yeah, is yeah. straight up of like an issue of Wizard magazine from like. 90s. <laughs> 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 because if it was,
0: yeah, it would be he, Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik, Howie Long as Venom, of course, uh, Glenn Danzig as Wolverine, and and probably Glenn Danzig as Knuckles. Who would, who do you think Wizard would cast as the, in the Sonic movie? Who else, who would they cast as Sonic? Like, uh, I mean,
2: I feel like they would get some, who's that, uh, wrestler with the uh, slick back hair? That guy would be, uh, that guy would be Knuckles.
0: Oh, Slicky? I can't remember his name. For Sonic, it would either be, like, Danny DeVito or, because he's short, or it would be like, um, I don't know, who, somebody who, because they would either cast it just on appearance or it would be on like someone that they thought was cool because they were a wrestler or a football player. But, um, right, right, right. Gambit would be Jean-Claude Van Damme, which is actually great casting. Um, and,
2: uh, Ga- this is We're still casting the Sonic movie, right? <laughs> yeah, the Sonic movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I don't know the Sonic characters, so. Uh, and Tails would be like, um, what, like, I don't know, uh, Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin. That's oh, what I was wow. thinking too, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, look, this is wizard casting; they can yeah, get big no. stars.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like when I uh, when I said that uh, Robotnik is annoying, it isn't an indictment of Jim Carrey's performance. I feel like the character is meant to be annoying, like a yes. non-threatening villain in a children's movie is. Oh yes, yeah. very
0: much so. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um. So they they have a big fight. Sonic pushes his uh, his friends off a building. Uh, he plays drums <laughs> on a bunch of bullets. <laughs> Uh and then he starts to run away and we learn, uh-oh, Robotnik has managed to supercharge his uh his little spaceship thing. Now he's just as fast as Sonic, or is he? We'll mm-hmm. find out. So we are now back at the beginning of the movie where Robotnik yeah. is chasing
1: him around San Francisco.
0: Full circle. It's a real last year at Mariam Bad. I, I, I want to make
1: it clear. He did not push his friends off of their, a building to their death.
0: <laughs> he, uh, did it with,
1: <laughs> he did it with a ring that sent them back to Green Hills. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, well, But we don't know that at first. At first we just see him push them off the bi- He says, okay. you've done your use to me. I'm done with you.
3: And he pushes them off the building. Uh, very wow, cool. that was he cold, a Sonic. And then he looks at the camera and goes, "Ain't I a stinker?" And that's that's yeah.
0: <laughs> And then James, Mar- and then both their bodies splat on the ground, and he's like, "Eh." <laughs> that's, that's, and that's and the then he jabs. He, <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. and he goes. Yeah. The next we see them,
1: they're crawling out of a James Martian shaped
0: hole in the cement. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and they're like, "Oh," and there's little tailses fluttering around their heads. Yeah, you know. oh, that's great.
2: Yeah. So they're running around the uh, running around San Francisco. They take this fight out of San Francisco, of course uh sonic starts throwing rings what i
0: want to mention only sorry to interrupt that san francisco a notoriously overcrowded city with where the and that's why the real estate prices are so high and everything the streets are so empty there's maybe one car per road because they have to cgi the whole thing and i was like it is a slow day in san francisco maybe this is happening during the quarantine like there's nobody (laughs) out on the streets
2: so uh, they throw a ring and they go to Egypt. Uh, where else do they go before th- they eventually just end up back in Green Hills? Because Sonic has a yeah. limited imagination. Do they um, go
0: to? Yeah, where where do they go besides from Egypt? I was waiting for them to be like all over the world, but they don't go that many places. No,
2: they, uh, the Great Wall that was on his. Oh, bucket that's right, list. and they
0: run the Great Wall, and he's yeah. like, "Finally, I can open up and uh, I, and and he doesn't. Again, they should be knocking over tourists left and right, but there's nobody on the Great Wall."
1: No. For a big special effects uh, movie, the the, the the imagination of this film is limited in terms of scope.
0: Yeah, I mean, he should have opened a portal to the moon, runs past Neil Armstrong, and he's like, one yeah. small step for a man, one giant leap for a hedgehog, and then ground control is like, what was that? And then he goes through Paris, and they run up and down the Eiffel Tower, and a mime goes, sacre bleu, and then covers his mouth with his hand, because he's not supposed uh, to talk, he's a mime. Oh, there
1: is a mime joke, right? Like, they do go to Paris. Oh, you're right.
0: They do go to Paris, and there is a mime, and this girl does not enjoy this mime, and then she sees Sonic behind the mime and laughs. That's not the mime joke they should do. They should have done my mime joke. And then, like, they go to... I don't know, Japan, and there's samurai or something. You know, kids' ideas of what countries are like. That countries <laughs> are still what we think. we
2: go to the once, Wild West.
0: I wrote a joke <laughs> once for The Daily Show that did not make it on the air, I think. That was during the big uh, uprising in Tahrir Square that overthrew Mubarak. And I was like, so now there's a new thing for us to know about Egyptian history. And I had a timeline of Egyptian history, and it said pyramids, 3000 BC, and then nothing until now because like, all americans know about egypt is the pyramids which is thousands of years ago but they didn't instead they just did the pyramids in the great wall and then that one moment in france yeah but not as good as mine
2: okay so sonic eventually they ends go, to, up back they go in, to
0: rio and it's carnival and sonic oh is like hiding behind yeah. ladies butts like also you would mm-hmm. love that dan so they they end up
2: in uh, green hills all the locals show up uh it looks like it looks like so- Sonic gets blasted and he's lying on the ground. And we're like, whoa, Sonic's dead. And then like Tom starts <laughs> Wait, hold to stand on. up. Wait,
0: if I get it. A- so, Jamel, did you think Sonic was dead at this point?
3: Uh, I did not. No. OK, so <laughs> Stuart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so well, no way- just
3: speaking for himself then. <laughs> so everybody,
2: everybody assumes Sonic is dead. He's covered in scorch marks. And you're like, man, he got roasted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then Tom uses a ring to jump on the back of Robotnik's thing. And uh, you're like, oh, wait, oh, that didn't work. And then uh, Tom pledges his eternal friendship, which, of course, wakes Sonic up in Friendship Lightning. Sonic, like, (laughs) is totally cheesed out. He's, like, super yoked. And he (laughs) starts bouncing all around and blasting Robotnik before knocking him onto the mushroom planet. Uh, The locals rally around Sonic. Uh, after one crazy weekend, they all decide to just move back to Montana. <laughs> a, a government official shows up with an Olive Garden gift certificate
0: <laughs> to thank them for hi- covering up the situation, and I assume getting rid of Robotnik. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, 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 this 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 seemed unclear to me. Like, what the hell? Like, why the government who sent in Robotnik is suddenly like, oh, we're cool with you just keeping this alien, and uh, thanks for everything you did. And it's like, okay, like. I, I would appreciate at least one scene before that where they're, like, calling him and be like, Robotnik, you're destroying cities, or, like, I don't know. It, it just seemed very strange that they just turned
0: around immediately and like, thanks for your service. <laughs> it was yeah. also around this time that I started wondering, how old is Sonic supposed to be? Like, is he a kid <laughs> or is he a grown-up? Because if he's a kid, there's something very weird about James Marsden, like, sharing a hotel room with this kid that he just met. But yeah. if he's a grown-up, like then a, it's very so- weird that he's, like, just wearing shoes and no other clothes. <laughs> It's I a nineties like movie. a young
1: teen. A young teen is the vibe I got. I don't know. Okay,
0: he's ageless and eternal. Okay, yeah, yeah,
2: uh, yeah. So they welcome Sonic into their home. We get a post-credit scene where Jim Carrey fully goes uh, Doctor Robotnik. He looks just like the guy in the video game, which is like such a classic like adaptation of a property where they're like, we're going to introduce you to the, the bad guy before he actually looks like the bad guy you're familiar with. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: To that end, I just want to say like him, like with his crazy mustache, Like, growling to himself on this really kind of fun-looking mushroom planet. I was like, this is the movie I wanted to watch the whole time.
0: Yeah, it's kind of how I felt when I saw Joker, and at the end, he's the Joker, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of interested to see what the Joker does now. And then the credits started, and I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I just watched this guy be sad for two hours, now he's finally the Joker, and the movie's done? And then we get, it,
2: uh, we get our second post-credit scene, and that's Tails, baby.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Tails hops through and goes, my, my um, reader device says that Sonic should be here and flies off into the distance. And that was when I turned to my wife. Uh, she was not watching the movie with me, but she happened to be in the room. And I turned to her, and I was like, so when the first Avengers movie ended and Thanos turned around and I got really excited— mm-hmm. Is this that like was that as dumb as the idea that the audience would get excited that Tails is gonna be in the next movie? Like is my pa- stuff that I'm passionate about as stupid as this stuff? And guys, I gotta Probably. I, probably, I gotta hope that the that Jim Starlin's uh, philosophical work in the Thanos comics uh, right. did not make it so, but there was part of me. it really brought me down to be like, okay. So when I get excited when when my when my character shows up it's just as stupid as if I was there and like Tails showed up and I was like Tails yeah I,
2: I mean I'll I'll defend the difference there because like Thanos is like kind of a deep cut like not every single person who's familiar with like Marvel comics would know who he was prior to that uh, and Tails is like in the title of the second or third Sonic game, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. There's a so, so that son- makes it
3: better that they're introducing an esoteric. <laughs> game? I don't know. It no, just, it, it makes it. All right, great, Stuart. I was just gonna say, Elliot, uh, it's not the same. Okay. Thank you. I uh, I, I was wa- I was watching this with my wife, and this is the point at which she looked up and goes, "The fuck is that?" And I, uh, uh, I said, "I said it's a fox."
1: yeah similarly as long as we're (laughs) telling uh, uh, stories about watching this with our uh, significant others I uh (laughs) like toward the end Audrey was like so do you think we're gonna uh, I guess are we gonna see Tails and I'm like no I guarantee you the last thing in this movie is gonna be Tails appearing and being like saying something like finally I found him or something like that and lo and behold that's exactly what happens at the end of this movie exactly
0: I wasn't sure if it was gonna be Tails or if it was gonna be Knuckles coming through the portal and being like alright boys get him you know or something like that yeah that
3: that would have been interesting right Knuckles shows up and it's like you know, we we got to finish the job. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but it said, like, Tails is going to find him and what? It's like, I, I mean, if there's, I assume they're going to make a sequel because this movie did well. But that might end up being like the end of the Super Mario Brothers movie where the princess comes through the portal with this huge gun and is like, we need your help. And we never found out what that was about because they never <laughs> made another movie.
2: Man, I love it. Uh, yeah, so that was <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. It was like just exactly enough of a movie
1: uh, I didn't hate it. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 wait! If you're gonna wait, we, we we. How many years have we been doing this podcast? Like, I feel like every time too we many, do it, Dan, too people, many people start giving their final judgments before the we introduce the segment that we've established since the beginning, which is called final judgments.
0: You're right, Dan. Well, is... Let's start being professional now. Literally. I guess I sh- So should I
2: just continue talking about this movie without any opinion injected, Dan? Should I talk about it like we I'm have... one of
1: Robotnik's drones, perhaps? We have a dedicated segment where you give your opinion, yet you feel like you must give it beforehand. Is this a good-bad movie, a bad-bad movie, or a movie you kind of like? Stuart, what were you going to say about it? You have an opinion about it. Oh, oh, you want my opinion now? <laughs> Whoa, yes, okay. during the right, Woo, the
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. It was, uh, it was fine. It was short. Uh, I actually like, you know, it's, there's a lot of jokes. Uh, I don't know what it would be like if you're a parent and you have to watch this with your kid a million times, uh, but yeah, it was fine. Uh, I guess it's, it's not a movie I like and it's not really, uh, I get. it's, I don't know. It's like, I guess it's a movie.
0: It's almost yeah. like this show, this shows why our final judgment segment is a little flawed in that so often the movies don't fit the three no, categories. That's fine. <laughs> I mean
1: people can say that in the segment. I just want I just want to like, you know. Uh, I would say this movie is like as people have said, it's relatively short at an hour 40. It could have been 90 minutes. Um I, I, what I, when
0: I watch like 90 a movie minutes, like, what, what, what would you cut, Dan? The part where Sonic <laughs> is just riding a mechanical bull for no reason? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Probably. Uh, when I watch a movie like this that has so little in the way of like interesting plot turns or cra- characterization, I am amazed at movies or TV shows that are much shorter that pack in. So much uh, character development and interesting plot turns. I'm like, how do these exist in the same universe? Do like better movies have some sort of time dilation power where they're able to stuff <laughs> this stuff in? Um, so I don't know. I like this movie looks okay. The director is like a, an animation director, and the actors are giving it their all. It just doesn't have much to it. I think that like if you're eight. This is probably a pretty good movie. There are a couple of off-color jokes that don't need to be in there, but um, that's the best I would say about. It. Like this movie could be worse. <laughs> <Is> my, <laughs> yeah, it, is my... I
0: didn't. I didn't quite like it for myself, but like I could see allowing my children to watch it. I will say, grading it on the very poor curve of video game based movies. Yeah, I think it probably is pretty is relatively high on that curve. Like, you yeah, it's up it to, there like,
2: with uh, up there with Double Dragon, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's right up there with Double Dragon and Doom and uh, Chun Li, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun Li, like, and Mortal Kombat, and like, there's so, I, as far as movies based on video games go, this is one of the better ones, but it's it's still not. I would if, if you're over the age of like nine, I wouldn't be like, pop it in, you're gonna love it.
3: So, it, incidentally, I, we actually watched Mortal Kombat last, not last night, but the night before, uh, because we were just <laughs> going through Netflix and it was on, and I hadn't seen it in a long time. Um, and it was a movie that I watched a ton of as a, as a little kid. And um, Mortal Kombat is a worse movie, but it, it's, it's so it's bad in interesting ways. It's sort of like it's mm-hmm. not bland at all. It's just sort of like kind of gonzo. And that makes it way more enjoyable than Sonic, which is objectively a better put together movie. But it's just so bland and paint by numbers and, you know, obviously written by committee. Uh, yeah. That it kind of like it's like the only thing about Sonic that I would recommend to anyone is just like yeah you get to see Jim Carrey do his thing for you know forty minutes tops uh, and uh, that's fun I guess but there's nothing like there's nothing crazy about it it's just sort of like a movie this is you know? this is yeah. definitely
0: this is the movie you put on if you have those that car with the TV in the back seat for kids like you just put it on and you ignore it and in an hour and 40 minutes later, hopefully you've made it through traffic and you're where you need to be. Well, but and it doesn't
2: it, have, like, it doesn't have any, like, super irritating musical numbers. It doesn't have, like, any particularly, like, long-extended annoying parts. Like, I feel like, I feel like it's actually pretty, you know, it goes pretty fast.
0: Yeah, I would, I, yeah. so them casting Jim Carrey goes a long way for me in, in making it more bearable. I uh, Correct me, uh, so... I haven't seen Mortal Kombat since I saw it in the theaters. Uh, Why? I kind of remember Goro just walking out, and then and them not making a big deal about Goro being there. Is that does that the case, or does he get a big build up?
3: No, that's totally the case. There's a scene where Kano is like eating chicken, and Goro's in the chair, and the camera turns to Goro, just sort of like, oh yeah, hey, here, here's this like four armed, <laughs> you know, man like, guy, a monster thing. giant with four arms. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. I mean, so the thing I had forgotten about that movie is it starts with the Mortal Kombat theme song. Like, there's no, there's no like, opening credits or anything. It's just, like, immediately the theme song plays, and it's, like, at the volumes, like, 120%. And it all, <laughs> in all seriousness, like, I kind of lost my mind. Like, I heard it, and I was, like, I, I got, like, legitimately excited to watch the movie. It was a very yeah. strange feeling.
2: Yeah, you like look down and your remote control had been shattered (laughs) by your fist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So wait, can you guys think of any genuinely good movies based on video games? Are there any? Hmm. There Uh, must be some. I want someone to write us in. Taking taking
2: a Pelham one, two, three. Yeah, yeah, that's based
0: on the video game, sure. Yeah, and of course, there's the movie uh, Descent, which is based on that that rail shooter Descent,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. Right, right.
3: Yes, yes, of course.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at a list. Uh, but are you checking bo- it bo- twice? The who? Uh, God, this is not a great. Um, <laughs> this is not a great list at all. Uh, I kind of like the first Resident Evil. Like later on, it gets like way into. Uh, like mythology, and I don't follow. It. It's like it's got as complex a mythology as the Fast and Furious <laughs> movies, which they just ignore <laughs> the uh, that element of them. Um, this is rampage st- is okay. It's not.
3: I don't know. Yeah, r- r- I, I thought rampage was like much better than I expected it to be.
0: Uh, see, yeah. I, ne- I didn't. I never saw rampage. I should have. I used to love that game as a kid because it was what I wanted to do. Just smashed up. Wait a Did minute. It, yeah. Do so, any of the yeah.
2: monsters turn into a person in their underpants, though? That's the question.
0: That was the <laughs> best part, yeah. Because it was like, not so big now, are you, you big bully? Yeah, yeah. I think
1: they're all just uh, monsters that have been, like, mutated. I don't think they're actually, like, humans that have become monsters in that
0: movie. Now, guys, What's the I want to take issue with... Uh, I'm looking up on Google, uh, movies oh, based on oh, video uh, games. I, I,
3: sir, I have an answer to this. Um, it okay. just came out. Detective, Detective Pikachu is actually pr- pretty good.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, now... Google has a category here fantasy movies about video games and they have some interesting movies in this section Beowulf uh Lord of the Rings uh <laughs> Big Trouble uh, in Little China King uh, Kong the original uh, I don't know who's uh City of Lost Children I don't know who is uh whose algorithm what algorithm is making these video game movies but okay oh The Wizard that's a movie ba- about video games there you go great movie sure they visit those dinosaurs from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> they introduce the Power Glove in Super Mario 3. Oh, yeah, it's great. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. Hi, I'm Lori Kilmartin. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show. Who are you laurie kilmartin oh my god so much pressure uh sam a stand-up have been new stand-up since 1987. Uh, i'm a writer for conan i've written a couple books have a couple cds out have a special out who are you jackie
4: well i too am a stand-up comic since 1984 and uh i do the
2: road like a maniac and uh, don't have a cool writing job, but I have four albums out working on a new album. We talk about standup. We talk about uh, all the different parts of stand-up comedy. So that's the Jackie and Lori show. And you should subscribe on Maximum Fun
0: if you want to hear that. <laughs> and I would encourage you not to.
3: <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. <gasps> no, Thank you. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast?
2: Reliability is big for me. Power.
3: I'd say comfort.
2: What do you think of this?
0: Oh. That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor? And down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset.
3: Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast.
1: Now we go on to uh, the. Woo, apparently, on R- Rotten Tomatoes, the best ranked, uh, <laughs> the best ranked video game movie is the Angry Birds movie two, which seems strange. But uh, Detective Pikachu is right <laughs> right behind it.
2: It's the Empire Strikes Back of the <laughs> franchise.
0: <laughs> finally, finally, Angry Birds got serious, and uh, they really they had a darker story. Okay,
1: well, the Flophouse is sponsored in part. By ExpressVPN. Hey, look, uh, unless you are uh, an essential worker, and if you are, God bless you, uh, stay safe out there, um, you are probably stuck at home a lot. And not only can ExpressVPN protect your privacy and security online, but you can also use it to unlock movies and television shows that are only available in other countries. You may have run out of stuff to watch... Uh, already uh, and you can re- use that uh, expressvpn service to change your location to almost 100 different countries just think about all the extra libraries you'll be able to access for instance outside of the u.s you could watch uh, star trek discovery on netflix uk uh, fresh prince of bel-air on netflix australia black adder also on netflix uk um all kinds of movies and television programs so uh, it's compatible with all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. You can watch what you want on a personal device or on the big screen, wherever you are. If you visit our special link right now at expressvpn.com flop, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support our show, watch what you want, and protect yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com flop. No one has anything to say about that, so let's
0: move on to Jumbotrons. I think I sent you some Jumbotrons. Support our sponsors, that's what I would say. I got a Jumbotron, Stuart. Do you want to go first? Do you have one?
2: I do. This message is for Merghan. The message is from Mert. Bwop, 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 bwop. Introducing Dr. Last Name Withheld. I'm so proud of you for passing your dissertation defense, even if you decline to title it Intrigues, intrigues, intrigues You continuously amaze me with your hard work, courage, and caring. I'll always be there for you, even after 10 pm p s. tacos for dinner.
1: okay we end We end with a mystery. <laughs> See that's the that's the extra zazz that you get with a Stuart Wellington <laughs> jumbotron read. Mm-hmm. Now Elliot, let's he set the mark
0: Pretty high. So let me let me try if I can outdo it. Okay, check out my wife's new book from Northwestern University Press: "Imitation Artist: Gertrude Hoffman's Life in Vaudeville and Dance." Gertrude Hoffman was a dancer in the gay 90s who became a vaudeville superstar and one of the highest-paid entertainers in America through her innovation of bringing over popular dances from overseas before the original companies could. Sonny Stalter Pace shows how Hoffman influenced the rise of contemporary celebrity culture through performance of gender, race, and national identity. If you're interested in modernism, theater, and dance history, women, or copyright, it's a must-read. So that's that's... That's imitation artist Gertrude Hoffman's life in vaudeville and dance.
1: You make fun of me as a producer sometimes, but see, uh-huh. I do things like making sure to assign Elliot the jumbotron that mentions vaudeville, and Stuart the one that mentions tacos. <laughs> so that's the kind of value that I'm bringing to the show as a yeah. smart producer.
0: You're you're really earning that four hundred thousand dollar a year producing bonus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, guys. Uh, <laughs> I took over the board fair and square so I can uh, (laughs) vote myself (laughs) whatever I... Okay, anyway, that bit has petered out. So let's go on to one more thing in this section, which is to uh, remind listeners that MaxFun is running a survey to help figure out which advertisers are a good fit for our audience. We are still primarily audience-supported, and um, you know we realize that uh, times are tough right now. We appreciate anyone who is supporting us. And we will always continue to be audience-supported, but advertising can be a big help, especially right now. The results of the survey will help us talk to new advertisers, convince them to give us a shot. It's short, shouldn't take more than 10 minutes, and you'll get a discount at the Fun store for filling it out, as well as our gratitude. So go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey to fill it out.
0: I filled Uh, out that survey as a Maximum listener, and I enjoyed it, but I also like filling out surveys. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me feel important. Oh, they care what I think? Yeah, sure, monetize this, please. Okay, so... Uh, we've bored Jamel long enough,
1: so let's move on to a non businessy section of recording the podcast. <laughs> I mean,
0: that's usually what you would say when we would end the show and let him go, finally, for the day. You're like, we bored Jamel yeah, long enough. Let's with do hope in 30 his more eyes. minutes of the show. <laughs> He's like, please, let me go back to
1: my wife and darling child that we've seen in the background running around. Um, no, but we have to do letters first. Uh, this first letter is from John, last name withheld... It's titled... From Cincinnati. A Worthless Peter Riegert story. Love it already. Dear Flophouse, you guys were talking about Peter Rieger in the Oscar episode, and I wanted to share my Peter Riegert anecdote. When I was a kid, around 1994, my mom had heard they were filming something a few blocks away from my house in Portland, Oregon, and that Peter Rieger was in it. Mom loved Peter Riegert because Local Hero is her and dad's favorite movie. I remember that Jane Curtin was also filming in this thing, and my IMDb sleuthing tells me it was the pilot episode of Mystery Dance. Uh, anyway, we rode our bikes to set. I, like, I got I like to the, meet. Wait,
0: Dan, I like the the it's Peter Rieger They love. They love local hero. Here's their favorite. Jane Curtin was also there. What a it's just, what a snub to Jane Curtin. <laughs> not
1: not the not not the Kate Nally fan that they are, the local <laughs> no. hero fan.
0: They like Kate, but not Allie. Which was which on that show? <laughs> I,
1: I don't know. Uh, that's a show that I watch. I remember watching as like a young child. And I'm and it's one of those ones where I like well, I, the premise didn't seem like targeted at me.
0: No, but, I don't uh, think you were. I I used to watch it every day in syndication. And to this day, the only episode I remember is the... Flashback episode that was just them Recapping scenes from previous episodes <laughs> I mean like hey I remember when But I as a kid I think I don't remember what the premise was as a kid I just assumed they were married I assumed they were Lesbians who were married
1: No there were uh, two That You know that would probably have been A, a, a better show but there were two uh, Divorcees who were uh, You know Living together moved their families In together um, Anyway yeah, that doesn't uh, sound
2: targeted to you, and that usually makes you pretty angry based on your letterbox reviews, right? When media isn't targeted <laughs> toward you? Shut up.
1: I, I, I'm just often astounded... <laughs> By the things I watched as a TV as a kid, just because they were on TV, when there are not things that like my life experience at that time as a child would have set me up to enjoy. I've often said the uh, the show Dear John with Judd Hirsch about uh-huh. yeah. a very sad man recovering from his divorce. You yeah. know, maybe today it would have. Uh, I mean, like I'm I'm not sad anymore. But like a few years ago, it may have spoken to me very well. But right now, but as a kid, uh, I don't know
0: what. I saw on that that show. I mean, the fact that as a kid, my favorite things to watch were Gremlins Two, Golden Girls, and Empty Nest. It was like yeah. I was either watching yeah. the Golden Girls, Empty Nest hour, or I was watching Gremlins Two or The Dark Crystal. And for some reason, those were equivalent levels of <laughs> entertainment to me.
3: I mean, that's sort of the magic of like the age of cable and just like TVs on, whatever it's on. You got as a kid, yeah. you kind of stumble on the stuff that uh, makes no sense for a child to watch, but some kids. Are really taken with it. So, like when I was, you know, ten or eleven, I watched all of MASH because it came on <laughs> on TV Land right before I went to bed, and so <laughs> I ended up just like over the course of two years, like watching most of that series. Um, and on Saturdays, I think there was a, it was like a two-hour-long block or an hour and a half or whatever, and it was designing women and then in the heat of the night so i I like watch those every saturday (laughs) that's can't miss television you know
0: our kids will never know that because my son he's just like newsies put it on and he can just watch newsies whenever (laughs) so he's never gonna have to know what it's like to be like what's on television i guess it's what's going in my face right now is yeah this syndicated show from when i from before i was born you know Mm -hmm. wow
1: he'll never know the joy of wkrp in cincinnati Mm-hmm. I mean, um,
0: no, nobody will because they can't release the original episodes because the music a,
1: clearance rights. It's a shame because that's actually a very, very funny show. Anyway, uh, anyway, we rode our bikes to set. I got to meet Peter Riegert and this lady who my mom thought was Jane Curtin. Peter Riegert <laughs> was super cool and talked to my mom and I for about 10 minutes and even signed my baseball glove. I've been a big fan of his every, ever since and have always been delighted when he pops up and stuff. I still have that baseball glove somewhere, though the autograph has likely faded. Oh, and it turns out that wasn't Jane Curtin. Thanks for the laughs, and keep on flopping, John Lasting without So a usually, double insult to Jane Curtin.
0: Yeah, usually when you say a person that I thought was so-and-so, it, you're, the implication is pretty clear that it wasn't that person. Like, yeah. it's never like, and then I ran into someone I was pretty sure was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was!
1: Like, <laughs> well, also, I, I, I tipped the twist ending by really punching that... I thought was Jane Curtin because yeah, I, I knew the I knew the end of the beginning. Um, so how
0: much do you think a baseball glove signed by Peter Riegert would go for? Because again, he's not a baseball player. <laughs> you
1: know, almost uh, twenty five dollars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but at that point, are you paying for the autograph or for the quality of the baseball glove? Yeah, that's a good question. It's uh, like-
3: sometimes you meet it. Sometimes you meet a celebrity and you just need them ha- sign something. I have a friend who when we were in college, George Clinton was performing and signing records at the bookstore. And she went and didn't have a George Clinton record, but had, had a copy of The Wealth of Nations on her. And so she has a George Clinton signed copy of Adam Smith's The Wealth of Nations. Oh,
0: that's even better than my copy of Elmer Gantry signed by Neil Gaiman, because that was the book I had on me at the time. Maybe George Clinton did write Wealth of Nations.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's possible. But
0: there's time travel involved.
3: Uh, um, time travel, uh, Adam Smith, noteworthy. like, notably wrote about uh funk and uh, uh, being, okay. uh you it was know, originally the invisible called the hand of funks <laughs> I, I, right that's right yeah <laughs> yeah
1: i'm glad <laughs> Jamel said funk because i i will admit that i
3: spaced out for a moment and i came back in i'm like wait are we talking about parliament and funkadelic george clinton what, <laughs> what's going on <laughs> no we're talking about new york governor in the 1790s george clinton <laughs> okay who
0: also was very funky
3: and that's a valuable
0: <laughs> autograph,
2: because you can't get that anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. very much. He was, he, came um, after, he came after New York Governor Bootsy Throckmorton. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: uh, this second and final letter is from Tony Last Name Withheld, who writes, Hey, Flop Crew. You know what's interesting fr- about
0: Tony is his middle name is Tony and his last name is Tony, but they're all spelled differently.
1: That is interesting. <laughs> my friends and I just started a movie group so we can connect with each other. During this time, do you have any tips for engaging conversation on movies? Are there any thought-provoking questions you rely on? Um, I don't. I, I don't have a good one here, other than like I do think it's interesting to sort of look at the individual elements of a movie. You know, direction versus writing versus acting versus. Look of a film, even though they're all so deeply interconnected, you don't want to separate them completely. Um, it's a way that you can kind of talk about movies without just saying I liked it or didn't like it, because there 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 may be you know mixed elements in it that you like or dislike. I but, but I would say maybe put a little effort into researching what different people are um are into or like what they do on a movie because. Uh, This is a weird, like, personal pet peeve, but I often find people, like, complaining about movies they think are too long and being like, oh, they needed a good editor on this movie. I'm like, nah, that's really, like, a screenplay problem compounded by the director not knowing what to cut after seeing the screenplay shot. Like, the editor is not, like, necessarily making decisions on, like... Like, oh, let's just cut out this entire subplot Unless he's, like, making Annie Hall or something
0: So unless unless the editor is Ralph Rosenblum You do not It's probably not in his purview
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I I guess I'm making assumptions About what the audience knows But, like, that movie was vastly different And uh, Woody Allen was a Nation filmmaker at that time And didn't quite know how to do it And so there, a lot of that film was made in the editing
0: you, you've read his book, right? Yes. When yeah. the shooting stops, the cutting begins. It's a yeah. great book, but it's like, it, it's it's kind of funny because it's also like, and here's another story about a movie I saved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's
2: cool. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I mean, I, I would say do something like what our buddies over at Blank Check do, which is you can always look at a movie in the context of when it was released and what other movies came out around the same time. And I think it, I think that leads some kind of fun conversation, uh, but that might that might just be for you know movie nerds. Well,
1: and also like where it falls in that filmmakers' uh, uh, oeuvre, to use yeah. an annoying word. I
0: I would say I don't have any thought-provoking questions, but I would say a tip for engaging in conversation on movies is to avoid two definitive statements about things that are matters of taste not being like this was the worst movie or this was the best movie or like this is anyone who likes this is dumb or like you liked it so you're dumb like to just go into it and be ready you to you piece of shit you <laughs> piece of shit you get it get the fuck out of here like that's not a polite way to talk but this to to go into it kind of being open about like if i like a thing and someone else doesn't like it that's okay if they like it and i don't like it that's okay and i want to talk to them and find out why they felt this way or why I felt this way without it becoming a battle, unless your relationship with your friends is you like to argue with them. I like, I, there are certain friends of mine that I like to argue with, but you kind of have to know how to keep in your mind in, in certain bounds of like, I respect these people and I respect their taste. So if we disagree, that's okay. And I don't want to go too far in, in what I'm saying.
1: Well, Well, also just knowing that like a matter of taste is often informed by the perspective of the person, which is often informed by like, The life that they have led, which, for instance, you know, if I talk about a movie with Audrey, like on a very basic level, like she as a woman may have concerns that I don't have as a man or like, you know, removing it from that sort of identity. Like if you grew up a certain place with a certain way, like it's an opportunity to widen your perspective through putting yourself in their shoes, I think.
0: But it's also even just the fact that, like, I had to come to terms at a certain point with that just, like, big trouble in little China just doesn't do it for me, but it does it for a lot of my friends, and I can't—it's not worth it for me to argue either way, you know?
1: No, no, I think it's important in the age of the internet to, um, to, like, realize that these are things that are a matter of opinion and not a personal affront, but I I do think that there's, like, an extra level of learning that you can put on top of that and be like, okay, like, I'm broadening, like— my personal perspective by empathy.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like a a movie that I'm surprised hasn't been reevaluated in some ways is his his girl Friday and I remember the first time watching that with my wife and me being like this movie is so funny, you got to watch it and she's like Okay, well, I see this woman constantly being crushed by her husband, and then at the end, her dreams for her life are destroyed. It's like, okay, well, yeah, but it's really funny, right? Like it was. (laughs) No, I've had
1: the exact same thing with Audrey, who likes
0: the movie, who thinks it's very funny, but is also like, but he's he's a monster, horrible to her. (laughs) Uh, And and we had a similar experience with I spit on my grave. But anyway, so uh, Jamel, do you have any tips about? (laughs) Wait,
2: wait, I spit on my own grave?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, I guess it's I Spit on Your Grave. You wouldn't want to spit on your own grave. <laughs> Except there's a movie called I Spit on My Grave where someone has to get revenge on themselves. Oh, now, wow. Jamel, I know...
1: I I follow you on Letterboxd, so I know that you are both a, uh, a great fan of movies and an incisive uh, writer about them. What do you have to say about this?
3: Uh, I mean, I guess... When I'm like talking to, if I'm like at a party or something and talking about movies, or you know, in the before times when there were still parties, it, when um I was at oh, them and movies oh. came up, uh, uh, should I not date the podcast like that? Or oh, what? Parties. Uh, oh
0: parties! Oh parties! <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. What is a party? <laughs> yeah, that's you also... weren't going to parties even the before time. <laughs> no, that's true. I wasn't. Or if I went there, I would leave as quickly as possible. Which for me was very. It took a long time to leave them. But my my um, wife my wife would always be like, Okay, we want to
3: leave in like an hour, start saying goodbye to people.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. But uh,
0: but, uh so I, you're I saying, usually, how would you talk to people?
3: I look for stuff that I'm very enthusiastic about in a movie and sort of just like talk about that. I you know, if I, I find that trying to have a conversation about something, unless both people agree that the thing is bad or whatever, it's I think it's kinda of difficult to have a negative discussion. But to say like, Oh, you know, have you seen this movie or uh, we saw this movie and this is this element of the movie I really liked. And here's why um, I, in my experience can get people talking either because they disagree or they agree, or they can think of other similar examples, you know, um, getting people to be enthusiastic about things tends to, in my experience, lead to pretty good conversation.
4: Hmm. That's a yeah, good idea. Yeah, I'm
2: with you. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's all about like trying to find something people are excited about and actually want to talk about. <laughs> I find like when I'm bartending, I'm always like, trying to you know I'm trying to find things to talk to people about and I'm like I stopped say, I stopped saying got any plans for the weekend because I got tired of being like oh uh no huh just just this huh okay <laughs> yeah
0: you're you're bartending yeah. you're like so things going great <laughs> and the customer's like be like, like
1: no, be no. like a steward uh Remember to ask people about themselves. Not like a Dan who is interested in other people but forgets to do that very simple thing.
2: No, Dan, I mean, you assume that people just open themselves up to you without prompting. You know, prompting. I've,
0: I, I've had <laughs> well, this, this talk with many people. This is touching a pe- genuine nerve. <laughs> you know,
1: I've had this talk with many people over the years. Like, I don't want to, uh, like, blame my upbringing because I have my own um, uh, agency. But I did grow up in a very quiet Midwestern home where... Uh, asking people about themselves was equivalent to prying a lot of times and we assumed that if people wanted to talk about things, they would just
0: bring it up. Now, Uh, it seems like there's certain parts of the country where people are just quieter and less intrusive and the difference between them i'm talking mainly about the midwest and the northeast is that the northeast it's from a spooky point of view where like you can't yeah. if you ask somebody about themselves they may curse you because they're a witch mm-hmm. where in the midwest it's more like you it's like oh i don't want to i don't want to draw attention to myself i want to ask you any questions i don't know is that the case dan or as someone who comes from new jersey where everyone's always talking loud and wants all the attention constantly and is scarfing down pizza at the beach like <laughs> uh, am i wrong from I, my perspective i'm kind of Baffled by what
1: the the bit is here about the witch in the northeast. Uh,
0: I mean, you got to spend more time in New England, I guess. It's full. It's it's full. It's everything. Everything is kind of dark and spooky and scary. Whereas in the Midwest, everyone's just kind of quiet. Yeah, and I I, I was really hoping that you were going to tell me that the Midwest was also full of folklore. Uh, just those damn children of the corn. It's,
2: uh, it's like if you go behind the dumpster behind the Bennigans, you. Won't. <laughs> yeah.
0: This is spoken like a true Midwestern That you're like, ah, those damn children of the corn are out again. Don't want to make yeah. a big fuss about it. Just <laughs> ignore them. Just
1: don't.
3: I walk mean, in you there. said it like you're a, you're you're a farmer, and they're like, I don't know, critters in your in your yard or whatever. Yeah. You know. God, they're always eating the corns. Someone get the twenty-two. We gotta take care of those children of the corn again. Yeah. You're
0: just you're just going. Yeah, yeah, get get. Go to someone else's <laughs> corn. Now, the yeah. children of the corn, I don't remember it well. Were they, they grew out of corn stalks, right? Like the husk would open and there'd be they a child are inside? uh uh-huh. yep. sort of They're
1: sort of a, um, what do you call them? Uh, they're, they're I like don't a know. They're like messianic cult. Uh-huh. Uh, they worship some sort of corn god, I think, uh, and they <laughs> kill adults.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, uh I mean, and 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 Get, God. And yeah. Getty's brought them into life by opening a corn stalk <laughs> and finding a baby in there.
0: <laughs> she she's the one who in her lab mixed the DNA of a baby in a corn. Yeah. I mean, considering how much of it we eat because of all those government subsidies, I guess we're all children of the corn, am I right? Oh shit. <laughs> Shots fired, corn industry. Anyway, Dan, what do we do next on the podcast? Next on the podcast, we recommend movies that
1: uh, we enjoyed. That
0: you know, leave
1: Sonic to the kids. Maybe watch one of
0: these. Um,
1: now, wait uh, before
0: we, before we go, Dan. I just want to say, yeah. Sammy was very in, was very very emphatic that he wanted me to recommend Newsies. I'm not going to recommend it for me, but if you are, you want to rec- watch his favorite movie, go watch Newsies. Dan, continue. Okay. Um. Uh, I'm gonna go back uh, a little bit
1: because I've only been watching dumb stuff recently, uh, and say that you should watch *Gemini*, which is kind of a modern, uh, neon drenched, like almost like mumblecore noir. Uh, that's focused on. It's a. It's very female focused, which is nice. It is a. Um, Lola Kirk plays the assistant to a woman, uh, an actress who is uh, found murdered, and the uh, evidence kind of points to her, but it's weirdly kind of pleasantly low stakes in that like the evidence kind of points to her, but also no one seems to be that convinced it's her, but she decides to solve the mystery because she's just this kind of industrious... Character and what I liked about it is, um, it looks beautiful, and the but mostly the characters feel very lived in. Like, she seems like a character that I think I know in life but don't see in the movies, where she's like this young woman, up and coming, uh, sort of like vaguely hipstery but not like painfully so, who is just clearly comes from not that much and is working hard to uh, come up in the world as this woman's assistant and um, and kind of like half wants to solve the murder mystery because this woman was sort of her best friend in a way and half it's just kind of an extension of her being this woman's assistant and being like, oh, well, this is the kind of the last thing I can do for her. Uh, and it's, you know, funny and a little twisty. Again, feels weirdly low stakes for a movie with murder in it, but uh, a lot of fun. Gemini.
2: Now, I'm confused. This is the Ang Lee Will Smith movie.
1: <laughs> no, that is Gemini Man. Oh, uh, uh, right,
0: right, 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 right. This is Gemini movie. Woman. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, this is this is Gemini on the holograms, the uh, no. the cartoon about the rock band, uh, or I know...
3: movie. <laughs> yeah, true.
1: It's not Gemini, uh, my own astrological sign, either. It is just a movie called Gemini. Oh, you're in the pocket of big star twins. I see. Yep. So, who wants to go next? Anyone? 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 I'll go. Okay, Okay,
0: so I'm going to recommend a movie uh, I watched a little while ago, like Dan, but uh, just because I've been so busy with life. This is a movie called In the Soup, it's uh, a movie from 1992. That stars Steve Buscemi and uh, Seymour Cassell, and it's a very, very uh, independent movie of the time, and it feels so much like the kinds of movies that were coming out of the early 90s independent scene. And Steve Buscemi is a a, a wannabe kind of like screenwriter and director who has written a 500-page screenplay and needs a producer. And for some reason, this kind of like small-time gangster decides that he wants to be the producer for this movie, and he really believes in Steve Buscemi's talent as a filmmaker. But... uh, Gets him into a series of kind of, like, uh, offbeat misadventures. And the movie is kind of this uh, shaggy dog story kind of a movie. But I enjoyed it a lot. And Seymour Cassell is so good in it as this character who, like, feels really real because he is alternately very charismatic and very strange and very, at times, unlikable. And it's just, like, this is is such a— like a complicated character, but he's being presented in this movie that is a fairly cartoony movie. Anyway, I enjoyed it. It's called In the Soup. See if you can find it and go watch it. I don't know. I think it's on Canopy right now.
1: Stuart, go. I'm just uh, signing people now.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, I will <laughs> recommend... I'm,
2: I'm going to recommend a movie called Wheels on Meals. Uh, and before you ask, Dan, yes, Jackie Chan is in this movie. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's directed by Sam Oh Hung. Uh, it is about a pair of guys who run a food cart and in spain and they <laughs> get wrapped up in uh, some crime stuff and sam hung's in it and he's got like one of the all-time top 10 uh perms i've ever seen in the movie uh and it also features a ton of like you know goofy comedy a lot of great slapstick and the but with all that said it also has like some of the craziest brutal fight scenes like the final fight between Jackie and uh, the the like head henchman, this actor I am probably mispronouncing his name, Benny Urquidez, uh, is is like is so intense and it's so vicious. Like there's like stories there were like rumors that the two of them did not get along on set, but you know of course they did because Jackie Chan's great. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> it's like it's such a like violent sequence in a movie that is. Pretty light, other than that. Uh,
3: so check it out, Wheels on Meals, Jamel. Um, we recently over over two nights watched Barry Lyndon. Uh, we were kind of making our way through Kubrick, and I had seen a bunch of Kubricks, but I'd never seen Barry Lyndon. And uh, my impression is that a lot of people really like it. What people really hate it. Um, I absolutely loved it. It's Maybe the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. It's just, like, gorgeously shot, and um, every frame looks like an actual painting. Uh, It's slow, but I kind of find it uh, very compelling. It's the story of a uh, would-be aristocrat and his uh, misadventures through continental Europe in the late 18th century. Uh, It's uh, much more entertaining than the way I just made it sound. (laughs) And... um, uh, I would uh, highly recommend it. I, I it might be my favorite Kubrick thus far. It's wow. a it's a it's a surprisingly
0: funny movie too. Barry Lyndon. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it feel it. I I put it off watching it for years because I always heard about it. Oh, it's so slow. my dad would be like, "What a slow movie!" And I finally watched it years ago, and I was like, "Oh, this movie's really compelling." And it's also really fun. Like I laughed so hard at the end of it, which is not like a. It's not really a joke, but there's just something about. It has that kind of like, like tossed off cynicism in a way. I don't know. Like it's just, it's a good
3: movie. Maybe it might just be like the larger moment we're living in, but the movie is such like a vicious skewering of, uh, sort of refined civilized culture. Um, I mean, sort of the, the, the through line of the whole thing is that, you know, the aristocracy of late 18th century, you know, presents itself as being, you know, a courtly gentleman, but, the entire time they're killing each other in various ways, or you know, uh, gambling or robbing each other blind, and so you know, uh, it, it's a, it's a it's a very cynical. These people are monsters, kind of film. Um, and it might just be because we are living in an era where our would be aristocrats are monsters that that really <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that that really uh, resonates for me. I hate um, to break it to you, they're always monsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: that was the uh, Barry Lyndon was one that I always put off because I assumed it was like super dry and maybe I just heard that and then I remember coming across a trailer of it and it was so like fun and funny and also like the prettiest thing i would ever seen
1: yeah I think its reputation has like kind of uh been redeemed a bit recently but it still somehow seems to be kind of the overlooked Kubrick movie and I think I also think it's very good
0: yeah, I think it's it's better than a lot of his other ones. but Yeah. The, uh, and uh, for people who love candles, this is the movie for you. <laughs> lots all of the, candles all, the, all
2: the chandlers out there.
0: <laughs> well, okay, guys.
1: Um, we should let Jamel get back to doing important things. Um, whether okay. it be writing for The Times or uh, actually
0: spending time with his family. I mean, anything... Uh, anything other than talking to us about Sonic the Hedgehog is more important than that like it's <laughs> and yeah, Dan um... Dan
2: I have to go open the takeout window at my small business Dan so uh, that's okay, that's fine. important
1: and we also have to like Stuart has been a real trooper here with his bad back uh uh standing through this
2: whole you thing You guys don't like watching me dance around in in the in my little screen
1: <laughs> I mean
0: I I did like it but at a certain point I forgot it was about your back and I was just like Stuart must have like a live crab in his pants he's just moving around a lot <laughs> yeah. uh
3: jamal is there anything you want to plug before we go um read my column at the, the new york times it shows up on tuesdays and fridays uh if sent it from a newsletter uh it's in, it's as time goes on that's getting much more esoteric i wrote about uh communist german refugees in the 19th century a couple weeks ago they don't really tell me what I can't write about, and so I write about anything that interests me and my interests sometimes run very strange. Yeah. That
0: I thought that one about the the communist who became the civil war uh was he a general or was it a Yeah, uh,
3: civil uh yeah, civil, civil he became a, a general late in the war. Yeah. I thought I thought that like that
0: was I thought it was a particularly fantastic one. Like I I love how far far-ranging you're
3: you've gotten and it's, it's really great. So. The, thank you. Can, thank you jamel is your is your instagram public or is it yeah no it's public yeah so if you want to my my instagram uh as elliot suggested i share lots of pictures of old buildings um <laughs> i like old buildings a lot uh and uh yeah so that's it's like uh, the instagram is mostly just uh photographs I take and then the stories is, is uh my kid and my dog
1: I'm, well I'm... no i was gonna say there's two pleasures to your Instagram, which is. Um, your photos on the main Instagram are beautiful, and then your stories often uh, show you cooking, which is my particular fascination. So, Elliot, were you yeah, going to say something? Yeah. Sorry.
0: No, I was going to ask. I was going to ask one, what you're cooking today, and two, I'm constantly also. I'm like, how does he find the time to be a parent and have a job and take photographs and cook? I don't get it. <laughs> He's
3: like some kind of Sonic the Hedgehog, moving faster than the speed of light. Um. Uh, the, the cookie thing is mostly it's just like I've been doing it for so long that I, I, I don't, know, don't know how I'd organize my life if I weren't doing it. Um, it's sort of like a grounding thing. Um, but uh, tonight I am making from the cookbook, uh, Madhya Jafri, uh, Vegetarian India, uh, chickpeas in a fresh cilantro sauce uh, with uh, dry fried okra. Mm. Okay. Love a good good. Somebody
2: insert a drooling emoji, right? <laughs> uh,
0: I think we can only do
1: emojis of hearts or people putting their fists in their hands
0: <laughs> over Skype. Yeah, Skype's emoji selection is pretty weak, although Zooms is worse. It's just clapping hands or thumbs up, and there's yeah. no way to express disappointment. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so uh, everyone... Um, you know, if you've got a little time, tell people about the Flophouse because I think our numbers are slightly down because people are not commuting or exercising during this time. Or because there's also that a we, real have, we have dive.
0: taken a real slip in the slide, and our episodes are now four to five hours long. That's true, <laughs> uh, but mostly uh, take care of
1: yourselves, take care of your families, um, be well. Uh, for the Flophouse, I've been
3: Dan McCoy.
2: I've been Stuart Wellington.
1: Ellie Kalen over here. Thanks for
2: listening.
3: I've been Jamel Bowie. Bye! See ya.
0: Dan has a new career as a day trader, so he's got like three monitors up all the time. Right, right. A
3: big, a big black Bloomberg terminal with the, the text going yeah. down.
0: <laughs> exactly. He's he's like, guys, I'd love to recommend a movie, but the Nikkei is going crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs>